Nintendo stuff. Separated by cosmic cabinets, no longer Brandon Whoa. and Paul are covered partly by this light. Paul, you're here. I'm here. He's here. I'm alive, guys. Who thought? Who would have knew? Known. Let Words. Me move this light. Well, tell us where you've been. At my house. <laughs> what do you want from me, man? Give us a life update. Oh gosh, well, I don't even remember the last time I was here. Um, I know since then I've been engaged. I've gotten engaged. My lovely fiance is unseen over here. She's waving because you can't see, but she's wearing a little Hedwig hat and it's cute, like she is. And uh, I've been working nights, which is why I've never been here. <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of a killer, but we're making it work, right? Yeah, I mean it's funny because like I went from working early mornings. To working super late nights yeah so like i'm just always asleep just like the extreme ends of the spectrum but you're 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 working towards not doing that anymore yeah and i'm getting really close i got i think at the very latest june or july i'm supposed to be done with like the this program i'm working through to become an electrician and uh, my employer is paying me to go through this program and it's a pretty sweet gig but yeah i'm I've been looking forward to the day that you're just on day side again. I mean, it'd be like one nice for this, but like just on nice top in of general. that, I haven't had time to play games. Like we're, I know we're not to spoil the show, but we're getting ready to like talk about, you know, 2019 and review. I actually like, I've bought a lot of games, but I haven't played that many of them. And that's the weird thing for me. Cause like this year felt like I've played more games than I have since like I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's attributing to that or why that is, but good games. Well, that for sure. <laughs> but it's been kind of cool. Like I've <clears throat> I've been finding a lot of time to play games, and it's it's been really rejuvenating. Because mm -hmm. you, know, you know, like through college and right after college, it's yeah. tough. It gets busy. I mean, like as you grow up, like I wish I had a fraction of the time now that I didn't like high school or college to sit down and play games. Yeah. And it's crazy to me because, like, this year I've played three RPGs. Which, and, like, I mean, do you consider four. yourself, like, an RPG man? That, like, I don't, like, because personally I don't, like, really see you that much as, like, an RPG person to begin with. When, when like, we started this show, RPGs were that genre that I could never, like, get into. Hello. And, and like, this year <laughs> and, like, part of last year because I went through the whole Kingdom Hearts series last year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it got to me, man. I mean, oddly enough, like, one of the things I hate about myself is that, like, I love RPGs, and I get hooked by them so easily, but they're, like, the huge time sink. And I, I generally, like, in general, I try to avoid games that are super long, but, like, if you look at the games that I did play this year, I sunk 40 to 60 hours into them, and, like, they were the things that kind of broke my, like, cycle in general. Like, mm -hmm. usually, you know, I have my schedule, I wake up. I have a couple hours. I'll sit and watch TV and get ready for work. I'll go to work. I'll come home. I'll go to sleep. Repeat. And, like, at least, like, a couple of those games, I found myself, like, trying to squeeze in during the week, uh, which normally I, I wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be something that I could sit down and do play games. But, like, I just – weekends weren't enough time to sit down and enjoy these games. Yeah. So I made time. It's nice to just, like, dedicate that period of time and say to yourself, hey, I'm going to do this thing on this day, uh, like you said, to break the cycle and just mm -hmm. make sure that you're, you know, giving yourself time 
because you know as you go into adulthood you you get so wrapped up in you know in your job and you know your ambitions like if you want to work on your career like uh we've both been doing mm-hmm. um it can get away from you though so like you yeah. got you got to be careful and make sure that you know you give your yourself some time your you time yeah i mean right now like that's part of the problem with like why I haven't played as many games this year is because at the start of the year with my job it was forty eight hours a week. Um, finally, like that tapered off. I think I'm getting back into that in, like the next couple of months. It's probably gonna draw me back into that cycle. But mm-hmm. oh well, I make good money. I can't complain. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> okay. In addition to that, though, I'm also having to spend my weekend time working on school. And yeah, so that's pretty, kind of been like I know like you said you'd even taken a couple days where the whole the only thing you did like the whole day was was the book work. Yeah, I took a I took a sick day because I had like a deadline for one of my classes and in like the 10 hours I should have been at work, I finished two classes or yeah, two lessons. Hey man, you know that's great. Like you're putting your you know your uh your butt to the grindstone. I almost said a different word. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're making it happen, and I love to see it. Well, it's once I'm done with this, the way I see it is I have that time back that I can sit down and work on content and be on the podcast and, like, we miss you. I miss being here. We talked about before the show, like, every once in a while, I'll get a Where's Paul comment. <laughs> and sometimes they're from people who I have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. So, like, there have been background fans who are, like, who've been there since the beginning that are, like, Where's Paul? Did he die? <laughs> or is there something you're not telling? No, he's right here. I'm still alive. I mean, yeah, we both went to E3 last summer, yeah. and, uh, you know, that was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you're dead. Yeah. Well, I'm just poor. <laughs> like, that, that's the other thing. Like, the reason why I've been doing, like, this program on the side that's, like, been keeping me from doing all of this is that I want to be able to, like, make enough from my day job to just live. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And, like, once I get done with this, once I kind of fall into that next job, um, you know, I'm able to, you know, afford to go to E3 and afford to, like, travel and buy all the games. And What's also cool and something um, that, you know, the, the folks at home might not be thinking about right away is, like, with the electrician work, that could even funnel a little bit into what we do here. That's actually, I had five different options because I'm going into like a trade school program. The reason why I chose electricity, I was originally going to choose plumbing because they make good money. Electricians also make good money, but it also meshes into the film work. Um, if we ever make it to the point where we have a building and we want you know put up lights, yeah, I can wire that. I know, you know, how to like wire all the different equipment because you know. A studio would require a lot of power. Yeah. And so I'd be able to kind of manage that for us. And they can be a fire hazard. So I definitely want a professional. Yeah, we don't want to die. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) The the final live stream. (laughs) Before the fire. (laughs) The final stream before we go up in flames. We went out with a bang. Well, well, we hope that it never comes to that. The broken room arcade. <laughs> flame room. <laughs> the, the flame room. 
Yeah, let's not let's not go up in flames. But yeah, it'd be it'd be great to like utilize that new skill set and funnel it back into the into the channel and finally, you know, realize that dream of opening up our own Brian's. Yeah. Because we, we've been talking about opening up a Brian's ever since VGHS first came out. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, like... And, Brian's and Room Arcade. <laughs> the Brian's Room Arcade. We should have, we should have the actor be, That'd like, be there fun. at the opening <laughs> ceremony. Um, <laughs> Flaster's face on the floor. <laughs> so the Break From Arcade is a place we want to eventually open and be kind of like a community hub with arcade machines and tabletop games and maker spaces and stuff like that place to just hang out yeah that's been a kind of a goal for us and it ties right into the name of the of the channel yeah um but we have some nintendo to talk about yeah i would hope so on the nintendo stuff podcast you never know on this show (laughs) (laughs) uh so so about my playstation 4 my playstation 5 sorry because there have been a couple times when logan and i just kind of gotten a little playstation-y on this show and we have to kind of dial it back a little bit um but not today so just last week we had our first nintendo direct of the year and it was pokemon which is even better and i wasn't expecting that i gotta be honest Mm -hmm. because usually this happens like in the early spring yeah um i think it's like march in the last couple years right yeah and you're always like the first couple months you're just kind of like wondering like you have like a couple dates from like previous year and you're just kind of wondering like what's next like this year is even worse i think than other months because like after animal crossing i can't think of anything and i it's a blank slate it's on my it's kind of on me because i haven't been like following too much but i like i remember asking you like we were both sat there and like what is after animal crossing yeah it's like animal crossing is it right now but at least we know now that pokemon does have some releases coming out Mm-hmm. And the first thing that they announced in that video, they had two subjects they covered. The first was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX, which is a remake of the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Blue Rescue Team and Red Rescue Team. Which I actually remember having for the DS. I think it was one of the first games I bought for the DS. It, me too. <laughs> and I I got that game as a Christmas present. It wasn't something that I purchased of my own accord because mm-hmm. I personally didn't think it would be something I was into. But then I started playing it and... It was a fun game. It's a really fun game, yeah, with a great story, like a surprisingly good story for something that looks so lighthearted. Well, remember they had, like, the anime adaptation for it, too. Yeah, there which, was the anime special. Um, which did also spark a series for a little bit. I don't think it lasted very long, but... There's, like, four or five different episode specials. Um, I think there was one or two for each game in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it did spark that initial interest for me because mm-hmm. i i loved the anime you know i was yeah. i was a little kid you know like we eat that stuff up it's pokemon on tv wow so they released a demo for this the full game comes out in march we have to talk about march um <laughs> march bad march real good but march bad <laughs> i can't afford march <laughs> march expensive um because i start selling like plasma on the side <laughs> So uh, they released a demo on the eShop where you can play about the first hour of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, and when the full game comes out, your save will carry over to the full game. I love when they do. I like that that's a trend that they're doing now, because before it kind of felt like inconsequential to try the demo out unless you like weren't sure about the game. It was great, especially last year with Dragon Quest XI-S, because oh, yeah. you get a whole 10-hour chunk of that game, and by then, like the game has its teeth in you, and you're like, I gotta play more. That actually, like... I think that's something that kind of started motivating me to try out demos because I wouldn't have tried out the demo or 
Dragon Quest demo. If the save data didn't transfer? Yeah. Like, I knew I was just going to get the game because it looked beautiful and I wanted to play it, but mm-hmm. I got it and then I didn't play it. <laughs> well, I played it happens. five hours because of the demo. Good demo. Uh, it's po- on the eShop now. Pokemon Mystery Dungeons <laughs> demo is, I wouldn't say it's a great demo mm-hmm. uh, because you only do play the first hour of the game and the game will lock you out if you don't play all the content. Like, if you do a certain number of days, like, the demo will end even if you have rescue missions that you haven't finished. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do them all because if you have multiple rescue missions that are at a single dungeon, you can do all of them. Okay, that's something that I do remember about the game that I did like as a kid. Yeah, you didn't have to jump out and go back in. Um, I like when you can just, like, have multiple objectives in an area and just keep doing it yeah. yeah so they let you do that but if if you're playing for the first time and you don't know that i could see you not being able to do all the rescue missions but i think there's like five or six total that you mm-hmm. can do um in two different areas and they stop you right before what would be the first boss battle so is it like a specific point in the game or is it like a it's the very beginning well i mean like what do they stop you at a specific point or do they stop you after a certain amount of time it's a certain amount of days. Like, one day will pass every time you finish up a okay. mission for the day, unless you do multiple. So it is, to a degree, like a certain point, not just like you've been playing for an hour, you're done. Yeah. Uh, at least that's the way I've seen on Twitter. I managed to do all the, the missions because I did them all in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw some people weren't able to do them all, and then they got locked out. So the game okay. lets you, like, roam the town, but it won't let you go back out and do dungeons again. Okay. Uh, but this funny story about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX. In the original game, I transformed into a Mudkip, which started my wonderful relationship with that beautiful Pokemon, because I didn't like Mudkip before that game. I kind of still don't, because I didn't get a Mudkip. <laughs> and that's fine, but like it made me a really big fan of the Pokemon, because I, I had a really big connection to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like in the original games, you have to fill out a quiz... Uh, in order to get the Pokemon that you transform into. Well, that's still in the game. Right. And I did the quiz, and I got Mudkip. Again. Can I can I conven- confess something to you real quick? Mm-hmm. I didn't get the Pokemon I wanted to be, so I just kept retaking the quiz until I got the one I wanted. <laughs> I remember you I started me. that game like three, like a handful of times didn't you until get I was where I wanted. One of the times? I think so. What did you end up going with? Was it Pikachu? Or I think I was I was definitely going for a starter. I think I might have gone for like Bulbasaur. Oh, okay. Well, in DX, and this I think this may have been in the original too. Like, if you don't get the Pokemon you want, they just let you pick. Oh. <laughs> so you don't have to ke- take, keep taking the quiz. <clears throat> but the way I do it is like, you know, I just take the Pokemon they give me, and then the Pokemon I would have wanted, I make that my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I got Mudkip again. <laughs> So, uh, 2006 Brandon and 2020 Brandon aren't too different, apparently, <laughs> according to Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> good, uh, good indicator there. I guess so. But yeah, it's still a great game. I was feeling really nostalgic as I was playing it. I do plan on picking this up, even though it's still $60, which, you know, it hurts the wallet a little bit. I mean, hopefully they put the time and effort into it to make it. It is a meaty game. We mm. should, I know I should be honest about that. It's a long game. Um, and you can get as much content out of it as you want. I didn't watch, like, too much of the trailer. Like, I watched enough of it to, like, know that it was happening and, like, what it was. Yeah. Um, visually, like, in the dungeons, is it much different than the original DS game? It's the same, like, layout. 
Uh, everything's just 3D now. Okay. And it has kind of like the storybook watercolor aesthetic. Oh, I like that kind a, of. A lot of people have been uh, comparing it to Winnie the Pooh. And it's pretty accurate, especially in the illustrations. Mm -hmm. So there's illustrations like on all the major menus, and there's a button on the bottom that says admire uh, (laughs) administration, admire illustration. So if you press it, you can just see the picture. So it just goes full visual novel? Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. That's a nice little touch. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous art. I'm going to be taking some screenshots. So yeah, the demo is available. If you want to try it, you can pull your Pokemon, see what you're going to get. Uh, and they have a fairly large pool of Pokemon you can get, like all the starters up till that point, and then some offshoots like Skitty, uh, Machop, mm-hmm. um, Meowth, Psyduck. If I had gotten Meowth, I probably would have just uninstalled the game. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I kind of I hope that if I like go to play it again, I would get Psyduck. But I think if I if I end up getting the game, I probably will just play who I get in the quiz. Darcy. Uh, corrected me you don't pick in the original so that must be a new feature okay so if you don't get what you want but you're saying you're gonna just go with what you get yep i'm not gonna be choosy this time i'll accept my fate well i think as we get older too like i don't got time to sit there and do the quiz more than once well besides that like we we want to we want to build connections with more pokemon and stop maybe like just sticking so closely to the first 151 yeah because, you know, for a while there when we were younger, like, especially when Pokemon got to Gen 3, we were just like, oh, but the originals are so much better. But it's kind of closed-minded, and we've gotten better about that. Yeah. Uh, and I've loved most of the Pokemon that have come out in the last couple generations. It's more fun that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX. But that's not the only thing that they revealed in this Ooh. Pokemon Direct. And this next thing actually surprised me. Me as well. So they're reveal- they revealed a expansion pass for Pokemon Sword and Shield. It comes in two parts. Sold. <laughs> wow. You had that- me an expansion pass. That was easy. So uh, one part releases in June of 2020, and the second part is just slated for the fall. It's okay. You can just open it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's the Isle of Armor is the first one, and the second one is the Crown Tundra. Uh, they are full scale. Okay, Monster Hunter. I know, right? I felt the same way. <laughs> They're like full-scale um, wild areas, like fully explorable, but they have a lot more going on, and they're story-focused. So in the first one, you visit a dojo, and you're trained under Mustard. My dude. I'm paying for this <clears throat> expansion pass just for Mustard, by the way. He's also on the thumbnail if you want a visual he reference. He has that much. He's had that much of an impact on us. That, like Mustard took the world by storm, let me tell you. <laughs> You were you were originally like looking at a uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon for the thumbnail. I'm like, dude, mustard. You were right too. Yeah, mustard was definitely the way to go. Um, yeah, you so you train under him and try to to take over as Grandmaster. And there's a fighting type legendary Pokemon who can evolve into two different styles. Ooh. And as far as I know, they haven't confirmed this, but I believe you get one style in Sword and the other style in Shield. Makes sense. So it's, I think it's like the one strike and then the fast strike style. I could be wrong. Something like that. But he has, like, different fighting poses. It's cool. Yeah. Um, it's also another legendary Pokemon that evolves. There's not a whole lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Diversity. Yeah, it's neat. Um, and it takes place on an island, and it's, like, completely separate from the rest of the Galar region. So I imagine you'll, like, take a boat or something there. 
uh, in I mean, the at this point, there's any number of ways to travel in Pokemon. Yeah. Hop on your Charizard, take get on your train, balloon, ride train, the Lapras. Yeah. So many ways. <laughs> and then uh, they didn't detail too much about the other one, but it takes place in a snowy area. Um, with monsters. You hunt them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with big weapons. Uh, but the big draw to that one is that there's an underground area that you can go and play co-op with your friends and try and take down all of the original legendary Pokemon from past games. See, that's cool. Yeah. I actually, like, it was early in the morning for me, and so I, I, I scrolled through Twitter and just, like, looked at all the tweets with, like, the information from Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really. I didn't see like the details for the expansion pass. So like things like that, I missed. I just like kind of watched the trailers. So I saw like, oh hey, these Pokemon are back. He's back. She's back. They're there. Everyone's there. Everyone Everyone's is here. here. <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield Ultimate. <laughs> uh, and that's another thing about the expansion pass that has people excited and also upset. Uh, they're bringing back two hundred plus veteran Pokemon. In addition to the new Pokemon. That's quite a few. So we were at around 400 Pokemon, in the, no, exactly 400 Pokemon in the original Sword and Shield decks, and that includes the new ones. So, And I didn't feel like that was, like, unsubstantial at all. Like, it felt like there was a good diversity of Pokemon in the region. And yeah, I felt the same way. Like, every time I went back into the wild area and, like, explored, like... There's new Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Having that like kind of like level cap or level barrier kind of keeping you from catching these Pokemon did a good job motivating you to go back mm-hmm. to different areas and capturing those Pokemon like after as you progress through the story. So if you've already completed your Pokedex, and I know a few people who have. My wife did. Wow. The first time she's ever done it. I didn't. <laughs> I haven't either. Um, but now you have a reason to go back and catch more Pokemon. And one of the reasons people are upset is because they're under the assumption you have to pay for the DLC in order to obtain these Pokemon. But that's not true. The Pokemon can be traded to players who don't buy the expansion pass. Which is a smart move. Yeah, so the Pokemon are available to you. Mm -hmm. You just can't catch them yourself if you don't buy the DLC. I think that's fine. I mean, it's definitely fair. Like, It's a compromise, right? Yeah. You can still get them. But you're not like you have to pay for them and it requires the people who do pay to kind of do the work for you. So I think you're actually getting the better end of the deal. You have to go and find them all. You just trade for them. Really, the only thing they're not giving you by not paying um, is just the experience of catching the Pokemon yourself. And the and I think that's fine because I would be way less motivated to go back and do these new story DLCs if there weren't new Pokemon for me to catch. Mm-hmm. And a good way to do that is to bring back some old ones. And I know I can understand why people might be a little hurt by that. Well, it's still, in my eyes, it's still in the spirit of the game because the reason why you have the two versions is to force you to trade with other people, make friends. It's a social experience. So it's built right into the spirit of the series, right? Yeah. So you, I'm, I'm going to assume that it would be the case, even with the expansion passes, that not all of them that they're adding back in are going to be in both versions. I think they've confirmed that, yeah. So, I mean, even like unless you bought both versions to begin with, mm-hmm. you still had to trade. You weren't going to be able to complete that Pokedex originally unless you bought both versions, so... You're still in the same situation whether you pay for the expansion pass. You just have to trade a lot more. Yeah, I think people are just, like, misconstruing the perception of this a little bit. Um, 
and of course there was a lot of controversy over the Pokedex being cut down quite a bit. And you know, that's neither here nor there when it comes down to it. Um, I didn't get my Pidgeot. I'm hurt too, but you know, I didn't hold against the game. And we'll get back to the point where all the Pokemon will be in the games again. You know, once all their HD assets are built and fully functional, I think in Gen 9, we'll just have a full Pokedex again. Mm -hmm. So I I wouldn't worry. Uh, I've seen some people worried that they're going to do this with every game where some of the Pokemon will be locked behind DLC. Um, And I don't see that happening. That's not even technically what's happening. Right. I'm going to assume in the future, too, that like rather than doing something like that, they might add different versions or like whatever the next gimmick is like Gigantamax Dynamax that they might like oh hey here's a couple more versions of these Pokemon or or like with um yeah and that, moves or that would be a good supplement yeah and they're even doing a little bit of that with this DLC because we're getting Gigantamax forms of the three starters uh I love Cinderace's Gigantamax form <laughs> he stands on a giant ball and his ears get super long <laughs> I just love that um, I'm going to embarrass myself because it's been a minute since I've actually sat down and played Pokemon. Um, Rillaboom? Yeah. His drum kit is Gigantamax. This is huge. And then there's Inteleon who stands on top of a tower and it gets a sniper rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. They're having fun with the designs. And uh, one thing I want to bring up is people are a little bit upset about the price point. It's $30. And you get both part one and part two. But if they were doing this like they did in the past, you would instead be buying a third $60 game. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> I'd say, a nice compromise. And it seems to me like the amount of content we're getting with the expansion pass is more than they would typically add to a third version of a Pokemon game. Right. So uh, it's something new, and I think people are going to take some time to get used to it. <clears throat> I mean, I, at the end of the day, like... I spent $20 for an expansion pass for Fire Emblem. Like, to me, 10 bucks more for Pokemon, like, the amount of content they're putting into it isn't that bad. I've seen worse DLC packs. Yeah. Uh, one criticism I do have, and that's not to say I agree with everything that's happening. Um, we shouldn't, you know, the DLC shouldn't be a crutch. I don't necessarily think that's what's happening. I do believe that they released a complete game. Mm-hmm. Um, but under under the circumstances that took place with the release of Sword and Shield, I can understand why people might be a little miffed. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, where was I going with this? I had another part. My other part's gone. I'm sorry. So you, you have no criticisms then? I have no criticisms. There are none. <laughs> no, no criticisms. Oh, I remember my criticism. Thank <laughs> you. So uh, there's two versions of the DLC. There's a sword DLC and a shield DLC. Mm-hmm. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. I feel like it should be one expansion pass that would apply to both games. So if you're a player who likes to buy both, then if you buy one expansion pass, it applies to both your sword and your okay. shield. I wasn't sure quite where you were like what you meant by that because like I, the way I interpreted it was like if I have sword, I definitely want the DLC pass content for sword, not. But no, the no, issue is that like, they've split it if up. You have both, yeah. Yeah. So I think it should just be a Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pass and not a Pokemon Sword expansion and a Pokemon Pokemon Shield expansion. That's yeah. a little crummy, if you ask me. 
because uh, I know people who have both versions, and they're right. going to have to buy the DLC twice. There's your th- those are the $60. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Well, I think, like, my household, I have uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., the fiancé has S.W.O.R.D., and so we will spend 60 bucks getting the DLC. But, I mean, all things considered, 60 bucks for both of us isn't that bad. <laughs> Uh, Darcy does mention the FE expansion pass is pretty lackluster so far, and that's kind of true, but, like, the biggest one is going to be when they do the extra story drop, yeah. which hasn't happened yet. April, right? I think so. I've actually put off my, like, next two playthroughs until that. Yeah, because I'm just, I have a feeling it'll be an, an additional route, mm-hmm. which would be cool. Um, Didn't, th- wasn't three, like, I feel like there was a couple, like big points to the third drop too there i know there was some extra challenge quests i believe some costumes there was the spa thing that they added uh i haven't purchased the dlc yet because i was waiting for the story drop okay um so i can't verify one way or the other uh but in regards to pokemon um Again, I can understand why people are upset, but let's wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. They did suggest the possibility that if you beat both Part 1 and Part 2, that you might have more battles awaiting you beyond that. And they showed the uh, the gym uh, challenge, uh, the jerseys. Okay. It makes me think that there might be the possibility of a second gym challenge. I'd be into that. Either with the same gym leaders with different Pokemon or maybe new gym leaders. It, mm-hmm. There's some potential there. Because it, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the ending of Sword and Shield. Um, there are two characters that you travel with who are next in line to be gym leaders. Yeah. So if they step into that gym leader role, that's a natural progression of that plot. Yeah. I didn't even think about that until now. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, a, it's a great step forward. I'd love to see that. Um but that is just, you know, an assumption on my part. But they did lean that direction in the direct. So I, I, there's definitely more we don't know about. Yeah. Well, just another point to make is that, like, regardless of whether or not they add added more Pokemon back in, like, it's still a new area to explore with new story. And it's, like, full wild area, which is great. That's actually, like, one of the things I didn't like about Sword and Shield is, like... I loved every second of being in the wild area, and then, like, as soon as I went back into a town and I lost my camera control, I didn't like that as much. I have a theory that Pokemon Sword and Shield began development as 3DS games. That would make sense. And then, you know, they did Let's Go. uh, They were working on Let's Go, and then the Switch was getting successful, and they're like, okay, let's shift development over to the Switch. Because if you remember, in the early days of the Switch, Pokemon Company and Game Freak weren't really on board. Right. And they were vocal about that. So, uh, yeah, I think they were 3DS games first, and that accounts for some of the things we've seen in the game. That might even mm. account for why not all the Pokemon are in there. Yeah. Wasn't there, like... I remember one part of, like, why people were upset that the whole, like, National Dex wasn't there was that, like... They mentioned that, that they needed the HD assets, but... I think the assets ended up being like taken from Pokemon Go or um, from the 3DS. 3DS. Yeah, uh, there's evidence, but we can't really prove anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have to take Game Freak at their word. Well, it, they might have found that like that might be the case if it had started as a 3DS game. Yeah, is what. Yeah. Um, 
So we can't really say one way or the other, and I don't want to like build an argument based on conjecture, uh, which is what all of the internet did. <laughs> but uh, deep down, isn't everything just conjecture? You're right. It, when it comes down to it, that's the, <laughs> what's what the, the show's built on is conjecture. But uh, uh, game freak aside, I feel like uh, I feel like these will be good. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> I saw expansion pass, and I was like, eh, and I watched like just the trailer without any of the information just saw like the different like artwork and then i went and bought the expansion pass immediately this has bigger implications too that means there's not a pokemon game coming out this year that means they can spend more time on whatever pokemon game is next you see you just saved me 60 dollars <laughs> i didn't like it was i saved 60 dollars from it they're not being a third version i saved 60 dollars from there not being another game this year <laughs> i just saved 120 bucks they can have 30 <laughs> so this expansion pass is technically the pokemon game for this year and i like that strategy because mm-hmm. next year we're probably going to get Sinnoh remakes and it'll probably have uh, iterate on the engine that we have now mm-hmm. and then generation nine i have a feeling will go full wild area and beyond which i'd be excited for i mean i like the direction they're going definitely mm-hmm. um like i said the only thing that i was kind of in about was just going into the cities from the wild area because the wild area just felt good and the cities didn't even seem as big as like even x and y mm-hmm. like lumio city is really grand and large and most of the towns in Sword and Shield feel no bigger than the ones from the Kanto region. Yeah. And uh, it it feels a little prehistoric that way, but I, like I said, I feel like with Gen 9, we're going to get that full conversion because they, they've only just started working with the hardware. Yeah, they only just now, like, get their feet wet and figuring it out. HD is new for Pokemon. I don't think that Switch is going places. It's not the future. And they they had their stock in the 3DS. Well, I mean, they made <clears throat> bank on the 3DS. Pokemon had been there for, you know, so long. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't have a 3DS? Everyone and their mother had a 3DS. Everyone and their mother had a DS. Like, handheld is Pokemon. Pokemon is handheld. And I can understand why they'd have reservations about that. Pokemon sells handhelds. The Switch is also a handheld. Who who who, who thought? Who would have known? My mind's blown. I have a feeling like the uh, the prospect of Pokemon and Animal Crossing was a big reason why the Switch Lite exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Get know, consoles into the hands of the more casual players. Less expensive. They are handheld, so it won't be that different for people who are buying it for the first time. I mean, I've never held one. I, I haven't come across them yet. Um... Do you know, are they, like, a slightly sturdier, too? Yeah. I mean, the big thing with the, the regular Switch is the Joy-Cons kind of creak. Yeah. Uh, you don't have that on the Switch Lite because they're it's all built together. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I'd say that was a pretty exciting Direct for the, you know, start of the year. It's the longest Pokemon Direct we've ever had. Well, it put a couple more dates on the horizon. March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It put another March date and then June and then sometime in the fall. Okay, yeah. Uh I forgot what the dates for the expansion pass were, but I definitely knew March. <laughs> so I, I would assume then that Pokemon will have a small presence at E3, probably not too large, like compared mm-hmm. to last year, because Pokemon yeah. was huge last year. Oh, yeah. The, I remember the line. I remember <laughs> it having was a stop for the photo op in the line. <laughs> Great photo op, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 
so that's really all that's happened new since the Game Awards because, you know, we had the holidays. I told you guys we'd be on a small break, um, and we do that every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so news has been kind of slow. So with that, I want to kind of take some time and look back at 2019 and see. There it is. Wow. I found it. It's been here the whole time. Look, it's 1985. <laughs> Too far. Too far! Go back! <laughs> um, yeah, just talk about how Nintendo did. Now I need my notes. <laughs> yeah, I need my notes for this, too. <laughs> uh, so Nintendo's releases, like the first kind of big game of the year, and I wouldn't even call it big. The first game of the year. I like your notes. <laughs> Those are my other notes. <laughs> was a uh, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe in January, which was actually kind of nice for me because I didn't get a chance to play that on the Wii U, and so. Um, and that's the never-ending story with these with these ports, right? That's why they exist. That's why yeah. they keep porting them. Um, but it was exciting for me to actually have the opportunity to sit down and play that. I got to sit down and play that with my fiance. Shout it again. She's not sitting over there anymore. And, it, I mean, it was built in with a little new content with uh, P-Chat. Um, <laughs> and uh, they uh, they also added the Super Luigi U DLC just into the base game. Yeah. I think it was also kind of a nice, like, compromise rather than continuously making the new Super Mario Brothers series, like, new entries every time. I didn't feel like the Switch needed a specific one for the Switch. Right. And so this was, again, like, all the ports from the Wii U that need to keep to get rejuvenated. Yeah. To me, like, the Wii U and the Switch kind of are the same generation to a degree. For the most part. And so they just kind of, they're extending that. Yeah. Um, Another thing about New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe... uh, and yes, so like uh, it's it's interesting that this happened in January because just five months later, Super Mario Maker Two came out. Did they even like announce Mario Maker Two before they released Mario Brothers U Deluxe? Mario Maker Two was announced in the February direct, so it would have so New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe was out already. Okay, <laughs> but it's just inter- interesting that those two games released so close together. To me, it kind of makes sense. Um, there, it has that engine in New Super Mario Maker. Or new Super, <laughs> Super Mario. Mario Maker. Oh God, they're gonna make New Super Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the name instead of Mario Maker Two. That's what they're gonna call Get it. Twenty years. Yeah. But they have like. <laughs> I derailed my train of thought with that. <laughs> <laughs> One has like, Mario Maker has a story. Right. But for the most part, it's it, about making the levels it's not an adventure Mm -hmm. where new super mario bros u deluxe has those levels and a story connecting them yeah so it kind of fills that hole in the switch lineup yeah um so right after new super mario brothers u deluxe we got no more heroes travis strikes again which is a spinoff of the no more heroes series and uh from i didn't buy this game because i heard that nobody liked it really oh wow (laughs) Uh, I'd never played a No More Heroes game, so I probably wasn't going to start with a spinoff. Yeah, probably not a great place to start. That said, um, this game was kind of leading up to the inevitable announcement of No More Heroes 3, which was announced at E3 this year, and then uh, got another new trailer at the Game Awards uh, last month. Uh, And it did tease the game directly 
in the game and mm -hmm. it's kind of weird to like make you buy a game just to get an announcement of another one kingdom hearts um <laughs> <laughs> that was targeted uh <laughs> So yeah, that guy, that game kind of came and went, but it's okay because No More Heroes 3 is on the way, and if that's what you really wanted, you don't have to worry anymore. You're going to get it. Yeah. So in March, we got Yoshi's Crafted World. Which is a beautiful little game. It's really pretty, and it's it's really funny, too. Um, <laughs> it's cute. It's easy. It's a Yoshi game. So if Yoshi wasn't your cup of tea, I it's not going to be your cup of tea now. Like... Uh, it's a nice blend of like Yoshi's Island and Yoshi's Story because Yoshi's Story kind of has this 2D, 3D thing going on. Mm -hmm. And Yoshi's Crafted World also allows you to kind of go into the foreground and background. Um, it's a great game to play with a, with a kid or a loved one because it's co-op. Uh, a lot of cute little costumes you can unlock. It's one I'm, I'm really sad that I didn't get a chance to pick it up because I really did want to play. I did try the demo and played it co-op and we had a good time. Yeah, it's a gorgeous game, like really pretty. And very charming. You were telling me about some of the costumes when you were uh, playing through it, and it almost broke me. I think I almost bought it. My favorite is like a little garbage can. That's the one I was thinking of. That made me want to buy that game so bad. He wears the lid on his head, and if you duck, it closes. It's adorable. It's so cute. Yoshi also has this language he'll talk in. He'll go... <laughs> And every time he does it, it kills me. <laughs> Just like the kid in Ghost Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, this is not a game of the year contender, but it is a good game, and I think you should it play it. It filled a gap in the year. Absolutely. So, like, this was the Kirby slot from last year, because Kirby came out in March of last year. Uh, funny enough, like these games were announced side by side, and Yoshi <laughs> yep. just came out. What is it with Yoshi games and taking forever to make? Because they're not Kirby games, <laughs> apparently. Yoshi has standards. Uh, so the rest of this is going to be a little out of order. So I'm sorry about that, but we uh, we we didn't have a calendar. Well, I do know what's next. It's Super Mario Maker Two. Oh. So Super Mario. That's a big gap, by the way. Like March to June. Yeah, uh, I mean they're. There were, there were smaller games between then, but smaller games, third-party games, Smash DLC. Yeah, that definitely helped tide us over. Because uh, we got Joker in April, and we had Piranha Plant in February, so that was kind of they they were sprinkled out over a good amount of time. Yeah, and uh, you know, Joker took the Smash scene by storm. He was, you know, he was announced at the Game Awards last year in a really cool way. Uh, it takes me everything not to just exclusively play on the Persona stage for the music. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I like how they're kind of positioning Smash DLC as a way to kind of tide the year over. Because mm -hmm. Smash has like this never-ending hype presence. And as long as there's characters that are always coming, Nintendo can always be in the limelight. Well, we were like, when we were talking earlier about what's next Yeah, for Nintendo, you, you brought up like, where's the fifth character? There's still one character left in this first pa first pass because we're getting more. And, like, that's something that, like, between now and February, it fills a gap. Yeah. It, I mean, it tides me over because I'm a big Smash fan. It's something before March. Because <laughs> in my mind, nothing's bigger than Super Smash Brothers as far as a new game release because it is probably my favorite game franchise. Well, on top of that, too, like, all of the character reveals so far have been super fun. 
Yeah, uh, Joker was like a complete left field choice. Mm-hmm. I never would have expected that to happen, and yet he was there. And then, like, I think one of my favorites so far was actually Terry. Terry, yes. And like the little video, and you're not knowing like where they're gonna, e- who they're gonna end with, and it just like keeps cycling through. And then there was that like. 50 minute video of Sakurai just playing as him and explaining him. We thought we all thought he was going to announce something else because it was so long. But uh no, he really just wanted to talk talk to us about SNK. And well, it was really interesting. Definitely. I mean, even like this down to the stage would like introduce such an interesting mechanic that like like having to like hit the wall enough for Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's really cool. And Terry has like a has his own special moves. Uh, that he grants access to after 100% damage, and they're some of the strongest attacks in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've found, honestly, like, the characters that I attach to the most from DLC are the ones that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So, like, Terry, Hero from Dragon Quest are probably my two favorites, and that's surprising coming from me because my no- most wanted character was, was Banjo. Banjo. And now? And he's out, and he happened. And how often do you play as him? Not nearly as much as Hero. <laughs> Actually, like, Hero slowed me down in Smash. Like, I stopped. Like, I, I stopped playing Smash nearly as much because my fiance just got really good with Hero, and like, the amount of salt it's generated for me is like you got to be really good at your sight reading if you play damaged Hero. <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> Hero is ruining my relationship. You got thwacked one too many times. I I've stopped. Just so many games for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was never, like, this petty before. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of cool at E3, too, to both get a character that represented uh, Japan and another character that represented the West, and mm-hmm. they kind of bookended it with that, which I thought was neat. It was definitely a good touch. Yeah, so there's a great variety of characters. Uh, they do a great job of just carrying their year with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of Smash DLC... Uh, we'll move on to Super Mario Maker 2, which I have a lot of feelings about. <laughs> it's a great game. Let me say Definitely. that. It's a great sequel to the original. adds a lot of cool stuff. The 3D world theme, I think, is awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish it was compatible with the other four, and but I understand why that it right. isn't. They added four-player multiplayer, adding Luigi, uh, Toad, and Toadette, which I thought was cool, because in the original game, you could only play as Mario. Yeah. It was definitely a very nice touch. It yeah. gave like it added a, m- a lot more appeal to me because when I play games now, I want it to be something I can do with friends and with people. Yeah, make it a social experience. Yeah, it was one of the killers for me with the original Super Mario Maker is that I couldn't play it with other people, mm-hmm. and it was so weird too because we were used to four player Mario's with the new Super Mario series. Yeah. Uh, so now we have that in Super Mario Maker Two, which is awesome. It added a lot of depth. Yeah. Though it came with a caveat, and that's that we couldn't play online with friends at launch. Boy, what a blunder. <laughs> that was a great idea. <laughs> we should do that with all games. Please don't. <laughs> Here's online. Play with strangers. <laughs> I love that edit of that play together picture. <laughs> play together with people you don't know. <laughs> My parents told me not to talk to strangers. So, um, Mr. Nintendo, no. And that, and on top of that, like the online didn't doesn't work incredibly well. Now, if you're playing with friends and people you know that have strong connections, it works great mm-hmm. uh, because now you can play with friends. Um, 
but yeah playing online is a big just hit or miss like i love doing the versus races Mm -hmm. because they're really hectic and funny um and when you win you feel good but (laughs) but sometimes you just start a match and it's lag city it's a slideshow presentation it's awful So I, I wish they would do something to address that, but I guess for now, just play with your friends and you'll be fine. Get a LAN adapter, too. And that's not the only update that the, the Play With Friends came with. We also got Link as a power-up. I honestly forgot about that. It's super cool. Well, I want to say in the original, if you scanned Amiibos, you get costumes, right? Yeah, you got you got costumes of over 100 of all kinds of characters. So they removed that from Super Mario Maker 2, which was a big bummer for a lot of people. Yeah. This is a great replacement. Definitely. If if there are more power-ups based on other Nintendo characters coming out, then I'm fine with that. That would definitely, like, that'd be a nice touch. Because, like, finding out that Link, you can play as Link, made me want to go back in. I didn't have time to, but I wanted to. I've played a lot of Link levels, and it's really cool. It's, it's a whole new genre of stage that they managed to create just from a single power-up. We got our, our Legend of Zelda maker. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can use Link. He can use his sword. Uh, he can use the Pegasus Boots dash. Ooh. He can use the downward thrust if you attack from the air. Uh, he can use bombs. Um, he can block with his shield. So, like, if Spike throws a spike ball at him, he can mm-hmm. bounce it back. Um, and he can fire arrows in three different directions. That's really cool. Yeah, so uh, he's got a really unique move set for Mario games. Uh, they spent a lot of time and a lot of love uh, that changes the music to the Zelda series, and there's a there's actually a fair selection of songs, and okay. even some of like the special sound effects and the sound effect editor change to Zelda sounds when you're using him. <laughs> so you can cool. you can even do the little secret jingle, like if you solve a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, they put a lot of love into it. That's nice. When you hit Gan- Ganon, when you hit Bowser with uh, the Zelda with the Master Sword outfit, uh, he makes Ganon noises. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really nice touch. Yeah, so uh, that's a great update. It came way too late, like five I, months after launch. I had definitely stopped playing. I didn't honestly play Mario Maker as long as I should have or wanted to. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about that is I'm sure like the community is still pretty lively. It is, yeah. And so like I can always hop back into it anytime. I actually bought the original Mario Maker and then never put it in my Wii U, ever. Well, it being on the Wii U is probably the biggest reason. <laughs> well, but I think by the time I would have even like played it, the community would like it just wasn't as lively. Yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty big now. They also added the Ninji Speedruns mode, where mm-hmm. they it's a Nintendo-crafted course once a week uh, where you rank for the highest speedrun. That's a nice touch, because people love speedrunning. Yeah, it's a very popular mode, um, and um, it's cool that they're like Nintendo-developed levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think the support for this game going into 2020 is going to be pretty cool. I think we're going to see more power-ups, new game styles, because there's going to be more oh yeah i'm putting my bets on super mario 64 i think that's the game style we're gonna get but i mean it's gonna it's gonna be side scrolling obviously right. but it'll use all the art and assets hear me out galaxy i that would be if that so if the that, gravity yeah exactly 
if you could put like little planetoids down, oh my god! The little, like <laughs> um, the stars that you like jump into to shoot you off to like the next planet. <sighs> You're doing things to me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> if we get Super Mario 64, which I think is great for nostalgic reasons, oh, yeah. and Odyssey really brought it back to the forefront, um, that would be great. Galaxy, had, like you said, with the gravity, has so much gameplay potential. I mean, even like a sunshine and like making like flood-based platforming. That would be awesome. And they could even add Odyssey and like make it so you can capture the enemies, and that would be a big thing. That would like, be a fun mechanic. They could base it, They can use every 3D Mario and get something really cool and different out of it. Yeah. I think that's a testament to how varied the Mario series has been. Yeah. I feel like, too, with... Uh, going back to, like, Galaxy specifically, I felt like they had, like, a good, like, linear set of levels yeah. at times. So I think, like, that one in particular is the most, like, standout to me for, like, adapting it. Because it's, like, like, a natural match. Yeah. But yeah. I would love to see every single one of them represented. I, at most, I think we're probably going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows what that'll be. For all we know, they might just go ahead and make it Odyssey <laughs> since it's you know it's recent. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I would love it if they just kept adding styles because I'd be more than happy to pay for them. Oh, definitely. Um, Weird noises in my house. So, uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. Um, after Super Mario Maker 2 came one of the greatest games of 2019. Mario, er, Mar- Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, right? When did that come out? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm, your memory of all of this is much better than mine because I can't, like, I don't remember the timeline for this anymore. It came out around the same time. It was after E3. Yeah. It was around the same time as one of my games of the year, Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses, man. That was a game. Is I, that where you're going next, though? Just to, Yeah, we're talking Fire I Emblem. Before I gush. We're talking Fire Emblem right now. Oh, my God, Fire Emblem. What I, the heck is this video game? Good. It's very good. I never in a million years expected it to be as good as it is. Well, I had a, I had a lot of discussions about this game with coworkers, um, and one in particular, like, we, we started off gushing about um, Awakening, and I mentioned that, like, I had the Fates games and just never really got into them too much. Yeah, and, same um, here. He made a lot of points that I can't really remember right now, um, but there was something about three houses that just kind of like returned to that form of awakening and like kind of capitalize on what made awakening so appealing as a fire emblem game like from an accessibility standpoint yeah yeah awakening was like the first game in the fire emblem series that really tried to cater to people who were new to it and it resonated with a lot of people i remember playing that demo on 3ds and just being blown away oh yeah um I think it, I had other Fire Emblem games, but it's the first one like I sat down and beat. Yeah, same Three here. Houses is the second Fire Emblem game I sat down and beat, and I'm not even I'm not done with it, which is the incredible part. I put sixty hours into it at a time in my life where I don't have sixty hours to put into a game, but I made the time. Like every day, I'd wake up, I'd make like breakfast, I'd play Fire Emblem, I'd go to work. Wishing that I was at home playing Fire Emblem. <laughs> that game is just so good about make 
at making you care about your students. Definitely. I I was going to be uh, Golden Deer, and, like, I met Dimitri, and, like, I took the time to, like, meet all the students mm -hmm. and, like, know who they were. And, like, I loved everyone in the Blue Lion's house. I loved them before I even really got a chance to know them in depth. Mm -hmm. And, like, that, like, passion and, like, attachment to these students kept expanding as you go. I mean, that's the thing with Fire Emblem. Like, you, you get grow, attached. You, you develop, like, the characters. You right. get to know more of their stories over time. I just imagine being the person, like, coming up with all the scenarios and whatnot and, like, the relationships. There's a testament to that, too, because, like, all of the the um, the the support conversations you can have, they're really good. Oh, yeah. Like, they really delve into these characters. And uh, even um, there's a couple characters in the Golden Deer house who knew each other before, yeah. you know, being students. And they had a past and, like, a turmoil between each other mm -hmm. that you get to see get resolved. That also, I think, there are a few characters in, like, Blue Lines that, like, had rivalries that were rooted in like their childhoods and like I think like the the relationships between like their families mm -hmm. it was a really nice touch yeah I man I was not prepared for how much I was going to care about the students and speaking of the students like it's so customizable what you can make them you can make any student into anything that you want which is so good. Yeah. It's so good. I, I had, like, a really fleshed-out team. Um, it was funny because, like, our friend Josiah, he also picked Golden Deer. And we were just talking about how different our lineups were despite having all the same students. I think, not to, like, not to change the subject too much, but I think one of the things I loved the most was, like, recruiting other students from other houses. Mm -hmm. And, like, I spent so much time in strategizing like how I was going to develop characters and how I was going to develop myself. Like I changed how like my avatar character like developed based on like who I wanted in my house. Oh, okay. So I spent so much time like kind of like learning like what they're looking for and raising those stats and making it a point to raise those stats. And the things they excel at. Yeah. And like with the individual like students, I spent so much time like, trying to figure out what which of their stats I should develop and, you know, picking which path I want them to go. Because there are certain characters that, like, they might not have been passionate about long range, but I need a long range person they're kind of decent at already, so you're, you get a bow. You get a bow. And the game also kind of encouraged you to kind of multi-class them. Yeah. So, like, I have some students who were good at both types of magic and became, like, a grimoire. Um, I think like some of the exams, like the to change their class towards like the master classes. Yeah, I think you needed you need a good multiple. two or three skills yeah. for them. Um, also, the way that that all kind of plans out, so they make it so you can see pretty much everything, like all of the the class examinations through mm -hmm. master rank. So you can you can plan ahead. Yeah. And so like I had plans for Raphael, my big meaty lughead that I love dearly. He was he was the one that like I had to make my avatar so good at brawling because I needed Raphael. Raphael <laughs> was my crutch. He had like a 50% crit rate. He attacked four times per turn. That 
that was the one thing that like once I started developing that skill, I realized how good being a brawler was. It's a great <laughs> class, yeah. I actually like there were two or three other characters like you're getting fucking you're getting gauntlets. You are going to learn how to brawl because it is good. <laughs> I had Lysithia trained in all forms of magic. So like light magic and dark magic so mm. she could heal and also just do oodles of damage mm. um it was so funny because she just had like so many tomes <laughs> um which is a change to fire emblem three houses that i appreciated is that they oh, got yeah. rid of a lot of the books like for the most part most of the magic you don't have to replenish it just gets replenished after a quest yeah, that actually was something that was very exhausting in the old games. Yeah. Like, having it so, like, you have a certain... You can use it a certain amount of times, but you don't have to, like, buy another book when you get back. Yeah. Was a nice touch. You still have to buy and replenish your weapons, but uh, it never felt like too much. Yeah. Usually, like, about the time that, like, a type of weapon was wearing down and I was thinking about repairing it, I unlocked, like, the next level. So if I was at, like, the uh, steel... Like, I'd unlock the silver. Yeah. And so I'd be buying the silver. Yeah, the pacing to the upgrades was really, really solid. Mm -hmm. And I always seemed to have just enough money to get everything <laughs> I needed. Definitely. Uh, and then you also had the advantage of being able to sell off some stuff. But a reason, one of the reasons I had so much money is because I did every single possible battle that I could do. You had to maximize those days. Yeah. It, it kind of borrows from Persona in the way that works. It borrows a lot from Persona, I'd say, but <laughs> one of the things that, like, speaking like of the changes that they made that I didn't necessarily like was um, the shipping. I missed being able to ship characters and going through, like, those support scenarios right. killed me because it's like, I want you two to be together so bad. I wonder if they took it out because they couldn't find an excuse for the kids Children. to come back. They could have just dropped that. and Yeah, just... I would have been fine without that and just, like... Oh, hey, they got married. Now they're S-rank support. I mean, spoiler alert. Byleth does get to have a relationship. Mm -hmm. And technically, your other characters do too. But it's just it's just relegated to like an epilogue text box. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to really see it. You do get to see your relationship come to fruition. I wish she could have gotten to see those conversations, though. I yeah. really wish that they would have done that. I had some turnout in ways I was just not anticipating. I guess one of the other things that they changed that like, I was kind of critical of was... Um, I remember in Awakening, you could like pair two units and do that to like build the support. But also, when you actually like ranked up that support, I felt like it was a more significant... Jump? Yeah. Like, you having those two like on screen together and... like. The other person, like, running in for the extra strike and, like, getting that more and more often. Mm -hmm. It was nice. I can see kind of shying away from that when you have the armies there, but... the They gave you a different type of advantage for having units together. I can't remember what it was. Is it accuracy? It might have been. Or, like, a higher crit rate? I know, like, there is a bonus you still get, but it you're right. It's not as, like, significant. Because I think... It might have just been the pairing element where you could have, like, two units on one space. Oh, right. Which was also just, like, OP because it add to, like, the attack power, I want to say. And you could also save a, a weaker unit and then get experience points from battle. Donald. 
that's how you Donald. That's how you Donald, and then once he's strong enough, he's the one pairing up with other weak people. <laughs> he carries. He's a he's a tank. Don't don't dismiss the Donald. But yeah, despite all of those like small critiques, it was such an incredible game because we haven't even touched the story yet. And right. Like, <laughs> I think it did like what fates was trying to do in a much more successful way and by having yeah. those like three like stories technically four and soon to be five yeah um i've i had a coworker that put 200 hours into the game and like to do every route mm-hmm. wow and like i've talked to him like gotten his opinions on it and like the way they present the story you miss so much by like doing the route like when you compare all three you're getting just a small slice of this like overarching thing yeah there's like a, a lot of elements to the lore that come together if you play every route i heard like the you get the most like information and like context from the golden deer so you probably have a lot that like i don't know i did learn a lot of things yeah um but you also know next to nothing about what's going on with the Black Eagles and the Blue Lions. Like, you learn about the church and the church's people. Yeah. Uh, but I like I, I know that things have happened to the Blue Lions. I have no idea what. It's bad. It, I, it sounds the bad. The game made me cry <laughs> profusely. <laughs> it, it's funny because, like... I was Blue Lions, my fiancé was Red Eagles, and I think Charlotte, or Charlotte, uh, Michaela was too, right? The Black Eagles, yeah. Yeah, sorry. My colors, you know. Well, te- they are red. They should be the Red the Eagles. Red <laughs> the Red Ones. The bad guys. Um, me and my fiancé fought a lot about who was right and wrong, because like we both had our own perspectives on like what was happening with those characters. Thanos was right. And, like, <laughs> yeah, um, we talked a lot about, like, what happens to, you know, Dimitri versus Elgard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, for her playthrough, spoiler, it was a time skip. Um, Nintendo didn't really hide that. I know. <laughs> what happens to, like, Dimitri in my playthrough was dramatically different than what happened to him in hers. With her playing as the Black Eagles? Yeah. When, like, but she... What choice did she make with the Black Eagles? Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, f- I forget. And she's not here for me to ask. Because my wife didn't go with Edelgard. I want to say that that's what she did, too. Because I was trying to get her to do the opposite. Because so that's way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing, though, I've heard is that if you go... If you don't go with Edelgard, you get almost the exact same kind of plot as the Golden Deer. Okay. Um, they do I, have different endings, though. I told her, like, what happens to Edelgard in, like, my route, and it goes in a very different direction than, like, how it went in her playthrough. Well, we should talk about that, though, because or later on, because I imagine it's probably different than how things went for her and mine then. Yeah, we'll have to sit down and compare and contrast without spoilers. Because I remember the scene with Edelgard and mine being pretty in, pff, intense. 
like all I can really say is like for me, like what happens to Dimitri was very heartbreaking, and he comes out of that time skip a very different person than how he goes in. Um, for her, Kill every last one of them. For her, he was like pretty much the same. Like he didn't have like really. He looked like he went through traumatic experience in mine, and for her, like he looked the same, like just an older version. From what I no eye patch, I don't think so. She's also again not here for me to confirm. But oh, I didn't know I that you like, could get a good outcome for him. Yeah, and then um, for her, like Redelgard, she does some really weird stuff, and it goes in. It, I I think they definitely like ship the game as Edelgard is probably the route that they want you to play the most mm-hmm. because there's a lot of variability in that one. Golden Deer is Golden Deer, and I imagine Blue Lions is Blue Lions, right? Yeah. There's no branch. Um, yeah. So, like, Edelgard is definitely, like, this is the one we want you to play, mm-hmm. but you should also play the other two. I definitely think there was kind of a desired order in Black Eagles, Blue Lions, Golden, Golden Deer. Deer. Yeah, because Golden Deer would then give you, like, all the loose ends with the church. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What a good game. And we don't know what, like, the next route or whatever the story DLC is is going to add to that. Yeah. Will it be another route? Will it be a branch in one of our routes? What's going to happen? I'm really excited to find out because <sighs> I want to play this game more. It's not every day that I say that, but, like, it's rare for me to finish a game and want to go back and play it again, even if there's, like, multiple story paths. But, like, this is one where, like, I need to know. I need the full perspective on all of the events. I feel bad for not even mentioning this until now. This game has some of the best voice acting oh, I think yes. I've heard in a game ever. It's incredible. And it was something that, like, I love voice acting because I'm lazy and I don't want to read. But In Fire Emblem, there's a lot of text. Yeah. It was such a nice touch. And I think it was one of the things that they changed that, like, I loved the most. And this is something that they actually took and did in Shadows of Valentia on 3DS. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so that game's fully voiced, and uh, they brought that into Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> and it also introduced me to my father, Joe Zija, <laughs> the voice of Claude. But do you know who voiced the guard? Because I need to find him and become best friends. The one that talks to you out front? <laughs> I love that guard. <laughs> He's so friendly. <laughs> he was like, I, I think he was like one of my favorite character he's always professor willing to have a conversation with you he's just so happy that you're there (laughs) someone talked to me (laughs) also i do want to mention like again spoiler alert the the time skip the the very first thing you do after the time skip is so cool i don't know like if it's different for you or not i can't really compare right now but like I got introduced to all my students again. I'll say that. And that was a really awesome like well, chapter. So like crazy like seeing the time skip. I love time skips and that was just like But they actually like redesigned the characters too. Well, I also like that they kind of like they changed their classes, which was fun. Yeah. And they come back and it feels like they have been gaining experience and like improving themselves in that time. It's like that moment in the game where you feel validated as their professor. Oh, my students were successful, and they're here to prove it. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing work. 
so I could talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses for probably three whole podcasts. We're going to continue talking about this after the <laughs> podcast. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we uh we have a late night McDonald's date that we're going to be doing, and uh, that'll probably be a hot topic. Uh, Marvel <laughs> Ultimate Alliance Three, also a game that came out. Um, we played a little bit of that at E3. We did. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed it more in a private setting. Yeah. Where we could sit down and like really delve into it. But there's a lot of characters there, and that was apparent even in just the demo. And that's not even like counting all the DLC they've been releasing. Oh yeah. Um, which was one of their announcements at the Game Awards was uh, some more DLC. I can't remember which characters are coming, but uh, yeah, they keep expanding that universe. And if you want like the ultimate. Marvel game <laughs> uh, There's one for you It's a beat em up And it's a sequel To a pretty successful series Yeah That uh, previously I don't think was on Nintendo platforms I think one of them Might have been on Wii But I could be wrong Okay uh, So that's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 Another game we played At E3 that surprised us Was New Super Lucky's Tale I don't Like I'd never heard of it We walked up to it And you started playing And it just like The retro vibes just smacked me in the face and it just I I didn't get to play it but I was engrossed by it it is a true 3D platformer filming at the N64 era I mean you could have told me like hey this is an N64 game and I would have been like okay yeah it's great it's a uh, it's an enhanced remake it, it's a weird place where they put it that's why they call <laughs> it New Super Lucky's Tale um, it's an enhanced remake of Super Lucky's Tale, which is on Xbox, which is a sequel to the VR game Lucky's Tale. That's not complex. So they kind of restructure a lot of the game. Um, they worked specifically on the platforming. One of the biggest features for New Super Lucky's Tale was that you could control the camera. It was fixed in Super Lucky's Tale. Okay. Um, and I think they added some stages to the the DLC that they originally released for Super Lucky's Tale was built then into the game. On top of that, mm -hmm. uh, they added plot. <laughs> like, there's lore. And oh. it's kind of interesting. Like, it's the kind of thing that if I had been 12 and played this for the first time, I would have eaten it right up. Um, and as a 25-year-old? I ate it right up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I just sit and think about your age. <laughs> It's well, I am I, I, one month and I'll I'll level up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like if you're a big fan of like Banjo Kazooie, uh, Donkey Kong 64, Super Mario 64, this is a great return to form with a really charming, lovely character. Lucky is really cute. Um, you you're rooting for him because he's just a little kid that got wrapped up in this ridiculous quest. Mm -hmm. He gets sucked into a book. <laughs> Uh, and there's there's uh, all types of different NPCs who are they're like the races of the world, kind of like the Gorons, the Zoras, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And one of them are earthworms, and <laughs> they're they're hillbilly earthworms. I love this already. And they can sing. I I was already sold on this game, but I think I'm actually going to like take the dive and buy it when I get home. You can. Uh, that's the that's the nail in the coffin for me. There's one level. Where you have to find all the band members of this hillbilly redneck worm band. I love this. And I like, love this so after much. You, after you do it, you get the collectible, which are pages in this game. Um, and then they sing a song for you. And they don't speak English, but they... Is it like Yoshi? Uh, kind of. But like, <laughs> they have languages, 
that are just gibberish, but the gibberish has accents. So like it's a hillbilly oh. gibberish. It's really cool how they I do it. I love that. Yeah. Um and it's an enjoyable song. I actually liked it. How is like the level design? So the level design uh I think is probably a good blend between Super Mario 64 and Mario Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Where um uh they're kind of like platforming challenges, but they're built with within a world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say they're pretty strong. Uh, there's definitely more that could be done. Like this is definitely like the sophomore outing where they're really trying to figure out how they can propel the series forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing you might not actually know, 3D levels aren't the only kinds of levels in the game. There are 2D oh. side-scrolling stages as well. Sold. And they're good. They're like <laughs> Again. some of them are like straight up Donkey Kong Country level side scrolling. Okay. Uh, not quite tropical freeze, but pretty high up there. Um, so yeah, like if you're a platformer fan or you have a little kid who needs something like really cute and charming, this is a mm-hmm. great game. It is forty dollars, but I think it is on sale right now for like thirty five. I'd buy it at that price. I mean, I bought it at full price. I'll buy it. <laughs> It is about nine, ten hours of gameplay, and that's for 100%, because I 100% of the game. <laughs> I had that much fun with it. Uh, yeah. What? Who expected this? <laughs> well, I think the, the thing about it is, like, and the thing that got us is, when's the last time you played that kind of platformer? There's just been, like, this lack of those lately that, like, I love those, like, classic 3D platformers, and I know, like ukulele was trying to like fill that gap and like it kind of it fell flat but it it tried um and super mario odyssey was successful but it was also kind of a new thing yeah it was it was like the like evolution of it it's what platformer should be in this era yeah where new super lucky's tale was kind of like that classic like what I grew up playing what I want. Yeah. Like the nostalgia of it just like hits you. So if you haven't like, if you, this is the first you're hearing about it, like look up a trailer and just look at the game. There's also a great video on, uh, uh, it might be, did you know gaming mm-hmm. or would beat em ups? One of would beat em ups got to go to their studio and talk to them directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Did You Know Gaming got to go there and do a full, like, 15-minute documentary where they really, like, delve into what makes New Super Lucky's Tale new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great little video, and you can tell they're really passionate creators, and one of the things they mentioned is, like, we made the game that we wanted to play, which was a classic 3D platformer, mm-hmm. and it shines all through that game. Well, this kind of reminds me of is, like, there's that big, like, gap with, like, 2D platformers mm-hmm. and then like indies kind of started like popping up trying to like bring that genre back to life and then you see like the sudden resurgence after this you know big era of just 3D yeah. just 3D and this kind of feels like that but with that classic 3D platformer yeah we're kind of in the we're kind of in the heat of it because we have a hat in time which is a game I absolutely need to play because I heard mm-hmm. it's incredible which is another 3D classic platformer style game uh, ukulele again who tried uh, mm-hmm. Super Mario Odyssey which kind of pushed the envelope and then this game and I don't think we've seen the end of it I hope not like I want more of this yeah <laughs> it's what we grew up with like we were 
we were kids in the golden era of 3D platforming. I think that's probably why it, like, it us hit, especially, like, yeah. it hits. Because I, like, the first thing that I remember, first console I remember, like, really wanting was a Nintendo 64 that I never got. <laughs> you missed out on Banjo-Kazooie. You eventually played Mario 64. Yeah. But Banjo-Kazooie, I feel like that's the game that really decided that 3D platformers could be something really special. Not to say that Mario 64 didn't, because obviously, like, you know, that's, that was the gold standard. Yeah. Uh, and if I were to compare New Super Lucky's Tale to any game, it would be Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> so they did with, like, ukulele could. <laughs> they kind of did, yeah. So sad. So, yeah, play New Super Lucky's Tale. I, I, if you like 3D platformers, you really, really can't go wrong. Um, at the end of August, we had Astral Chain, which is a new game from Platinum Games. Well, that one, like, didn't it come out around the same time as one of the other games on our list? It left Damon X Machina? Yeah. Yeah, they came out about a week apart, I think. It took me... Wasn't that also, like, the same time that dragon quest came out dragon quest came out towards the end of september but it was okay. close because i remember like i did that um like the game pass the vouchers the voucher yeah <laughs> so i bought like four vouchers and i was just like work it took i had so much trouble deciding what to use like the last voucher on it just there were like three different games that i wanted to use it on mm-hmm. and i think it ended up going to dragon quest but like they were like all out around the same time and i think both of these games like i went to a store and i was ready to buy like either one of them Uh uh-huh and i somehow talked myself out of. i think it was just i'm poor (laughs) well uh we'll talk about damon x machina first because it sounds like maybe that game isn't super successful uh but at the same time like this game was built for a specific audience Mm -hmm. it was built for the armored core audience who are into mech games, who are into, like, the really specific customization. Mm -hmm. I see this like Monster Hunter, where, like, from the outside, it doesn't look very good because there's so much you need to know to really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. There's that, like, learning curve to it. A big barrier to entry, yeah. So I feel like Damon X Machina is probably a good game. It's just something I can't personally judge because I haven't broken the barrier. There's a demo on the eShop if you want to try that out. I think it does bleed into the full game if you decide to purchase it and you like it. And that's the second demo, because originally they did that first one Mm -hmm. where they then asked for feedback and, like, how can we improve things? And they did address some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So good on you to uh, Marvelous, who I believe the developer is. Mm -hmm. They also have released some DLC, and it's really cool DLC. I don't know if you know about this, but... uh, don't know anything. They added the Lancelot... Okay. From Code Geass as a mech. And a costume uh, for Suzaku. Yeah, I'm going to be honest real quick. Like, I think part of the reason why I haven't been on the show in so long is just you selling me on so much stuff that I can't afford. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to make you spend money. You're doing a darn good job of it, though. <laughs> like, I've, I did try out the demo, and I, I liked what I played. It's actually, like, the giant mech genre is one that, like, I have wanted to get into. I've been kind of wondering, like, what a good game in that would be to, like, try and... Yeah. I think Damon Damon X Machina would be a good starting point uh, because it is kind of designed with a Monster Hunter gameplay loop. 
Okay. Where you go into quests with up to four players, and you you know you get parts, you build your machines. There is a story that apparently is pretty poopy, but you know that seems to be a theme with this kind of I game. I mean, who who plays games for the story? <laughs> Dragon Quest. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things, especially I heard this from Nintendo, is that there's not a lot of multiplayer missions. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a downer because that's kind of the reason I wanted the game. <laughs> that would be a, make it a much bigger like selling point. Is yeah. if it was something you just actively play with other people. But and, who knows? Yeah, I was gonna say we live in an era where at any point they could update it. Yeah, and I think they have actually added more multiplayer missions since the game is launched, mm-hmm. but still maybe not enough to. Make it like a true blue, like, multiplayer experience. Yeah. Uh, One game that is a multiplayer experience is Astral Chain. Uh, But I've heard that playing this game multiplayer is actually worse than just playing it by yourself. I honestly feel like that's a lot of, like, co-op games, though. Well, it's interesting in this case because, like, the hook of this game is that you are a character who is linked with a chain to another character. And... And astral chain you might say that and you control both of them at the same time one with each stick so like your main character you run up and attack normally and i think what you do is you use the right stick to move the other character near the enemy and Mm -hmm. they will auto attack okay um so it sounds like it's kind of hard to get down but once you do it seems like it's really rewarding because the trailer for that game was so hype that game like pulled me in the trailer just like made me want it which is why it was so hard when like that Damon X Machina and also um Dragon Quest Dragon Quest like dropped around the same time because I can't afford all three (laughs) but boy do I want them (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is a game I'd like to get to at some point I'll probably buy it if it's ever discounted Mm -hmm. like a decent amount um because I like Platinum Games. I love the Bayonetta series. And, oh, yeah. you know, they're good at action games. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to give that a shot at some point. Uh, and then uh, the third game in kind of this triangle of video games is Dragon Quest XI-S. And this you is, don't have thoughts on this, right? Uh, no, we're going <laughs> to skip past this. No, <laughs> Dragon Quest XI-S is my game of the year. It's the most incredible RPG I've ever played. You like, I wish I had the time to devote to it because I definitely loved the demo. It was enough to make me decide, like, I need the full game. Um, I just have, haven't been able to sit down and give it the time it deserves, but I know that, like, I'll be rewarded when I do. Because when you gush about a game like you did, Dragon Quest, like, I know I'm in for a treat. Dragon Quest is one of those games that only comes around once a generation Mm -hmm. like of all the games i've played in this decade dragon quest 11s might have left the biggest impression on me it's from the story the the characters like the character relationships and just their their dynamics and Mm -hmm. their personalities it's one of the most enjoyable cast of characters i've ever had in a party (laughs) like Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you got through the part where you escape the castle with Eric. I think I I think I stopped the demo like just after that. He's such a bro. Like he becomes your best friend like immediately and I yeah. I loved him. 
and uh, there are more characters you've yet to meet in the game. Uh, there's two more party members you meet in the demo. Okay, I haven't gotten to them then uh, yet. And then there are more characters in the full game, and every single one of them I loved dearly. Like, uh, the Switch version adds these extra parts of the story, and it, mm-hmm. it fits them in seamlessly into the game. Okay. Where you get to learn more directly about the characters, and some of it is heartbreaking. There's a point in the game that destroyed me, like emotionally. I've honestly, I've gotten emotional during games. I've there like the few times I've had a game like genuinely like devastate me. Like it's a different kind of feeling. This game did something to me that I've never experienced in an RPG before. I know it's happened in a few of them's, a few of them's, <laughs> in a few of them, but this was a first time for me, and I did not, I was not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get your opinion on it when you get to that point in the game, but, oh my god. <laughs> did you, like, have to, like, take a day and just, like, sulk? It's, it took me some time to, like, really take it in, because it just happens and you have to deal with it. Um, and now the, I'm scared. The game is, the game is not super long. Like the the front half of the game, you could probably beat in like forty to fifty hours if okay. you if you're running through it. You, I never had to grind, not once. So you don't have to worry about that. You can just kind of play the game at your own pace. Mm-hmm. One of the things I ended up doing uh, is you can set the battle speed. Uh, so I set it to like two or three times. Uh huh. And the battles are just like that. So, like, you never okay. feel too bogged down, and it doesn't have random encounters. Which was also a nice... This, like, we got to the point in RPGs where, like, they just... They're realizing that no one likes random encounters. They're bad. And it is a beautiful <laughs> era. Yes. it's And it's cool, too, because, like, the monster designs are really cool, and you get to see them walking around out in the, in the game world, and I can make that decision if I want to go and fight it. I also like how they, like, kind of respond to you depending on, like, how strong you are. Yeah, so they'll like run when, away. <laughs> if you go back to an area and, like, you're, they're way weaker than you, that's, I'm, nope. And there's something to be said for some of these monster designs from the incredibly talented Akira Toriyama. Like, not only are they adorable and, like, goofy, but their names are ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, man, like the, almost all of them are puns, mm-hmm. which you know that's a Toriyama thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and I don't want to really spoil them because like you just kind of need to you just play it. You'll you'll laugh. Uh, I've shared some videos on my Twitter of moments that have really made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Silvando is a character you meet uh, in the full game, uh, <laughs> and one of my first experiences with him is I had to participate in a horse race. Uh huh. And he wasn't the person I was supposed to race. But he walks up to me and he's like, "Hello." <laughs> Just one of that our other big riders, energy. One of our other riders had a little whoopsie, <laughs> and the way he says it is so unbelievably funny. Um, and it it had me crying, so I posted it to Twitter so I could relive it whenever I wanted to. But does he have that like that big Bulby energy? A little bit of Bulby energy, but he's really just really eclectic, and like mm-hmm. you, you love being around him because he's so excitable. Um, <laughs> great character, uh, yeah. And like the the fighting and the combat feels really good. Mm-hmm. This feels like a modern RPG. Okay. But like founded in a classic RPG. Well, th- it also had like a an eight bit mode, right? Yeah, you can play the entire game in a sixteen bit style. See, that's such a cool touch. 
Mm-hmm. It's like just getting back to those roots. And even if you don't do that, there's a town in the game uh, that is specifically 16-bit, so you can have that experience without having to play the whole game that way. Do they um? Do they play with that at all when you like get to it? I can't remember if they ever. The characters, I think, when you first get there, address the fact that they look different, <laughs> but they're not sure why. Um, and I, if they didn't, then they would like miss such a huge opportunity. The cool thing about that town, though, is it lets you go back in time to other Dragon Quest games, and you get to go okay. to those towns and places, um, which is really cool. So, like, if you haven't ever played a Dragon Quest game, um, well, besides nine, you get to kind of experience some of that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's not a lot with like Dragon Quest I can say yet because I haven't played that much. But like, I also want to take a minute to just address that like, it's a beautiful game. Like the little bit that I played was so gorgeous. It's a really great adaptation of Toriyama's style into 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, Which maybe hasn't happened too great in other places. No, yet. absolutely not. Um, the like the greatest achievement I've seen in that regard is probably Dragon Ball Fighters, mm-hmm. and this is top notch. Oh yeah, uh, and it's great too because this used to be a PS4 exclusive, and it looks almost as good as the PS4 version. It's just like it's right there. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm playing a lesser version of Dragon Quest when I play it. It's so funny to me just, like, how long we were waiting for this game, too. It was the first Switch game ever announced, back when it was still the NX. It was absolutely worth the wait. Oh, yeah. Um, it You know, they tied it in with Hero coming to Smash, which, you know, it was a double-edged sword for me, because, like, I, I played Hero, which I had very little experience with Dragon Quest. That got me excited. I was already planning on buying the game, and then I bought the game, and I fell in love with it. Well, I think, like, with that... Smash Brothers did exactly what Smash Brothers used to do so well. With back- Fire Emblem? Yep, it did yeah. with Fire Emblem. I'm sure it did with, like, other things, too. But, like, introducing the West to these, like, beloved Japanese franchises and, like, piquing your curiosity, like, who are these characters? Like, what is this? That was actually how I got into Metroid. Because, like, hmm. I had never played a Metroid. I didn't know who Samus was when I played 64 for the first time. Uh-huh. And uh, I think you gave me your copy of Metroid Prime yeah. on GameCube. That was my first Metroid game, and that game blew me away. And I'm mm-hmm. a Metroid fan. That's just how it happens, right? Yeah. So it's cool to see that even with the DLC, it's it's still happening. Or we talked about that with Terry earlier. Yeah. I bought Garo Mark of the Wolves <laughs> on my Switch and loved it. I think that's... I mean, there's so many things that make Smash what it is, like, make it so prolific. Like, between that and just, like, just all the genuine, like connecting and does because smash brothers brings people together that's its whole purpose you know that's the the idea behind the the symbol is that it's crossing everyone over i mean here's a crazy thought too that like we probably haven't considered but japan has this same exact moment probably with banjo kazooie that we're having with dragon quest they did with little mac too that's one i didn't think about because boxing just is such like a an american Mm -hmm. thing I remember, like, when Punch-Out, or, or, excuse me, when Little Mac was added to Smash Brothers, I was looking at a lot of reactions online, and someone had compiled a bunch of Japanese reactions, and most of them were, who's huh? Little Mac? <laughs> What's Punch-Out? Which is crazy to me, because, like, that was one of, like, the defining games for the NES for me. Mm-hmm. And I still love that franchise. I, 
you know, that's probably why like we haven't gotten a new punch out game yet because <laughs> that was like, oh because of the japan yeah Someone's got to make it. I mean, it, it, the one on Wii was developed by Next Level Games, and I think they're a Western studio. Okay. So that's probably why I got handed to them. Um, but, yeah, like, I have to thank Smash for introducing me to my game of the year, Dragon <laughs> Quest XI-S. I mean, I saw the trailer, and, like, I am decided I, I want to play this. I got to play this. Was that, like, was it more Smash for you that did that? or I was going to buy the game anyway, but... Hero was such a fun character for me, and the the Yggdrasil's altar stage got me like introduced to the game map because mm-hmm. it is the game map, the whole map. Um, it just got me ready, and I just fell in love. I understand why Japan holds this series in such a high regard. Dragon Quest like is the video game in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's the game, <laughs> uh, and there's a reason for that because it's incredible. So if you like RPGs and you've never played Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest XI S is absolutely the first game you should play. Well, I guess I have to play it now. Thanks, Brandon. Don't pick it up <laughs> on PS4 because the, the Switch version really is the definitive edition. Like, there are a lot of things that they added. Okay. Even your party members running behind you in the game world is new to the Switch version. The orchestral soundtrack, new to the Switch version. Worth it. Everything's worth it. Voice acting? I think is also new to the Switch version. Okay. The game got dubbed in English before it got dubbed in Japanese, too. Which I no thought kidding. Was, was weird. Yeah. Okay. Also, a, a fine dub. Absolutely fine dub. They did a great job. You want to know why that is, though? Because Japanese people don't care. Like, they'll actually read. We're, we're, we're just... Americans are lazy. Do you want to get Americans to play this game? Dub it. <laughs> <laughs> Give it voice acting. Uh, so moving on from Dragon Quest XI S again, I want to reiterate that's my game of the year. Uh, I've just a Fire Emblem's probably mine. Oh yeah, and that's my second. Like if Dragon Quest had not come out this year, Fire Emblem would have like it was that close of a of a fight for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Another game that came out uh, from Game Freak this year, besides Pokemon Sword and Shield, is Little Town Hero. <laughs> I thought you were going Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard, I heard that this game is terrible. Really? Yep. Steve Bowling over at Game Explain hated it. That was his rating. Was hated. Oh, okay. Uh, it's buggy. It's unfinished. He said that the gameplay loop wasn't fun. I can't comment on it from personal experience. So, like, I'm, I'm quoting Steve here. Um, but he he really did not like the game. There's not a lot of music. I think there's, like, one track that you oh, hear. Gosh. That gets old. <laughs> one of the arguments people made for against Pokemon Sword and Shield was, like, oh, all of Game Freak's working on Little Town Hero. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> that is not at all what happened. Which is... I'm kind of sad because if I remember correctly, like I remember my impressions of it being that it looked like it would be charming. I had the same feeling, yeah. But apparently the game just doesn't live up to that. It's also sad because Toby Fox of Undertale fame got to do a track for the game. Was it the track? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. See, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't because if it was, people probably wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But thankfully, like, that's not the only collaboration he got to do. Sans is an Undertale. In, in, of course he's an Undertale. <laughs> he's in Smash Brothers. 
Um, along with the song. Uh, yeah, all along with Megalovania. Which also made it into Tycho. Yes, it did. And he got to compose a song for Pokemon Sword and Shield. He's made it around this Crossover. year. Crossover. He also got to go to Sakurai's house and play Smash with him, and then Sakurai drove him home. That's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> I, I hope that they, like, became best friends after that. It sounds like they had a good time. I mean, Sans from Undertale, an indie game, got added to Smash Brothers as a full costume, who's basically the character, outside of not having a move set or voice clips. Right. But I think in a lot of cases, like... That's all they needed to do. There were so many characters that they could do in that style, and honestly, I'd be okay with. When I play as my Sans me, in my mind, I'm just playing as Sans. Like, that's how great of a costume it is. Quick side. Um, what, when was that, Tycho? Was that also this year? Tycho came out at... I think Tycho no, came out last a year. year ago. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, <laughs> I had to stop and double check because if that was this year, you know, we'd have to. I'd have to hurt myself because that uh, bad, bad, bad. I finally got it this year, which is why it's like it was a 20 last year. I got last year. Finally. Did you got it, it last year? I got it in 2019. Oh, right. I got it in 2018. You got it in 2019. It's currently 2020. <laughs> uh, I am ashamed. Absolutely ashamed. Because I didn't put The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on this list. Ouch. I forgot. That was all... September was like the March of last year. Yep. That this, was one of those games. I think this came out... 28th? It was after Dragon Quest, because I, I remember... That's why you forgot. <laughs> yeah, because it came out during my game of the year. And I also loved Link's Awakening, but this is a game I've played before. Mm -hmm. uh, so it didn't really leave a, the biggest impression on me because it was, you know, I I've played it before. It was cute. It is very very cute. I love the art style. Um, because I didn't play the original Game Boy game, but like, I love how they. Had Which is funny because I think I also got my copy from you. <laughs> the You're same welcome. the same year I got Metroid Prime for you. You gave me Link's Awakening. Because, I mean, I wasn't, like... You weren't a Zelda fan yet. Yeah. That happened in, like, middle school for me. With uh, Spirit Track? Or not Spirit Tracks, Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. And then from there, uh, the eShop introduced me to all the other ones. Yeah. And I was able to kind of move around the series. But mm -hmm. So up until that point, I didn't really... I wasn't interested. Um, that being said, um, I my fiance bought the game because it's actually her favorite, I think, 2D Zelda. That's same with Brian Altano over at NBC. Mm-hmm. And um, she made me play. <laughs> I didn't get it. I was going to anyway. Oh, I mean, you should. But absolutely. I don't. I haven't gotten very far in it yet because life is. Really it's funny. it's a game that kind of bridges the gap between very, very classic Legend of Zelda going into Ocarina of Time, because I think this is Zelda four, because I think this is the first game after Link to the Past. OK, uh, I could be wrong. But I, th I think that's the way it is. So, like, it is very much a traditional Legend of Zelda game. Um, and I was hungry for that. I was hungry for a top-down Zelda game because the last one we got was uh, A Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes, less so. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so it was great to, <clears throat> to kind of go back to that. 
the issue I guess I ran into is because Breath of the Wild was such a breath of fresh air. Uh-huh. It was kind of hard going back it, to that. It was. It really was. Um, but I'm glad it came out because I did enjoy going back to that classic Zelda style. Link, like you said, is adorable. The art style is fantastic. I think they did a good job of taking a 2D game and making it, you know, still from that perspective, still at, like, top down, but they made it in 3D and they made it work. Yeah. They also made some great improvements. Like, uh, in the original Game Boy version, you had two buttons to work with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, your sword and your shield got relegated to item slots along with the rest of your items so you were pausing and unpausing over and over again Mm -hmm. the power bracelet which allows you to pick up rocks was an item oh and every time you didn't have it equipped and you went to go pick up a rock you got a dialogue box about why you can't pick up that rock that sounds like a bad time it was it was incredibly aggravating but all of that was removed uh, from Link's Awakening on Switch because you had so many more buttons so like Mm -hmm. the Pegasus boots its own button. The power bracelet, just the A button. Mm-hmm. Your sword and your shield, dedicated buttons. And then you had two extra slots for your items. So it was a lot more manageable. That definitely sounds like a nice set. I guess I, since I didn't play it on the Game, Bo- Game Boy or Game Boy Color. Both. It was, re- okay. it, it was remade once before. Yeah, DX. Um, because I didn't play it on the Game Boy, you know, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And now I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, there's a lot to appreciate going from the Game Boy version to this. Uh, and like all the remixed music, the updated music, fantastic. Uh, the anime art style for the opening and ending makes me want an anime series. <laughs> it's absolutely stunning, oh, especially yeah. in the ending because you get to see some of it in the daylight. So a lot of the color pops. It's gorgeous. That it was such a beautiful game, and it's it's a style that I want them to do again. Like I want them to remake some of the other like top down Zeldas. Like the that first ending. one. Well, me in particular, I really want Minish Cap. Oh my God. Yes. There's a Minish Cap in that. that style. Well, and they also have another easy one because link, uh, links awakening on game boy had two other games that just used the art assets from it. Mm-hmm. The Oracle games. So like, that's a natural progression as far as what to remake next. Yeah. Hopefully they do. I hope they take all that work they put into this and keep going with it. It's funny, too, because Minish Cap and the two Oracle games were the three Zelda games developed by Capcom. Oh. And, uh, I mean, Nintendo owns the rights, but I'm sure sure they could, like, work along with Capcom and Grezzo to to remake those. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. But, yeah, Link's Awakening, uh, that was, again, another September game. September was crazy. <clears throat> this the second half of the year was crazy, and that's something we're going to talk about here in a bit as we uh, we wind down in the last few months of the year. Um, October, Luigi's Mansion Three came out on Halloween. This game was an utter sh- surprise to me. Like yep. it's a great blend of what made the original Luigi's Mansion great and some of the things that Next Level Games did new with Dark Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of backpedaled on some of that. Uh, and and made a game that really kind of blew me away. I it was one that like I got. I didn't play as much as I wanted to. It's definitely something I'm gonna go back to. But I knew someone who like took off Halloween just so we could sit down and play Luigi's Mansion Three. It, this I gotta say, I played almost. I played the game exclusively in co-op. 
Mm-hmm. I played a lot of it with Logan. I played a lot of it with Dylan, and I played a lot of it with my wife. It is some of the most fun co-op I've played in a long time. Goichi's just fun. Like, yeah, even like by himself, he's a fun mechanic. I think it, I had some problems with him in the demo we played at E3, mm-hmm. um, just because I didn't want to go back and forth as much. Um, but when you have like a person to play as Guiji for you, it's really smooth. And uh, the first area where you have Guiji is is definitely like intended to be played single player because the other player gets cut off, and mm-hmm. so just keep that in mind if you want to play this with a friend or you know with your kids or whatever. But the rest of the game, I was surprised just at at how much of the game could be played like seamlessly. And, like, it was designed that way. Mm-hmm. Like, this game was meant to be played with another person. And that's really cool. Yeah. I, it's, like, couch co-op is one of the things that, like, I love it. And it just doesn't feel as, like, prevalent these days. Yeah, it's gotten so kind of lost. So when they do give you, like, that really nice co-op experience, it's nice. It's really refreshing. The perfect co-op game that I've played is Portal 2. And while this is not on that level, it did remind me of that. Where it's like, a I couldn't problem solving. I couldn't see myself playing this game without another person. Mm-hmm. I think my opinion on Luigi's Mansion Three would be a lot more negative if I had played it solo. Okay. Uh, Luigi is so gosh danged charming in this game. When he first walks up to the hotel and he looks up and he goes, "Wowie, zowie." <laughs> uh, let's not forget the ghost dog, Polterpup. I loved him. Yeah, Polterpup was introduced in Dark Moon, uh, and then Luigi adopts him. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because, like, Luigi is so scared of ghosts, but yet here's this dog who's a ghost that he loves. Well, you make anything a doggo. Like, it could be a z- zombie doggo. And it's like, oh, he's wagging his teeth so happy to see me. <laughs> I love it. Quit gnawing on my leg. I love in the, the first section of the game when you explore the hotel when it's still a hotel. Uh, and Mario's over to the side eating cake, and if you walk up to him and interact with him, Polterpup, like, pops up in the cake, and Mario goes, Hi, doggy. (laughs) (laughs) Mario's unfazed. This game also has a really fun finale, uh, so definitely play it to the end when you can, uh, because it's worth it. Uh, And there's also just a bevy of multiplayer modes. There's the... Wow, that's loud. My butt is rumbling. <laughs> There's the the scare scraper, which is a mode that they brought over from Dark Mood. Mm-hmm. It's up to eight players can explore randomly generated mansions. Okay. Uh, and it's it's basically like a gauntlet. You want to get to as many floors as you can. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an endless mode in. I think there is an endless mode. Never mind. Okay. Um, and it's really fun. Like I loved it in Dark Moon. I haven't really gotten to dive into it in this game because unfortunately, uh, not a lot of people I know picked it up. And on a single system, you can only play with one other person. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely want to play, like, with a full group and yeah. see how far we could get. Uh, in addition to that, there's the mini game modes, which, you know, are smaller, but you can play locally and you can play them online. Well, that's one thing that, like, especially, like, on the DS, the Mario games on the DS, they had all those, like, mini games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like outside of, like, Mario Party, they haven't really been in any of, like, the... The major games? Yeah. Yeah. So, like... I, I guess I didn't realize they were even there, but, like, that that's that's cool to me. Not only that, they released DLC for them, <laughs> and I paid $10. There's two waves of DLC. They're costumes for Luigi, and... Well, that's that just sold me right there. Uh, I think new minigames are coming, and they added new types of floors to the Scarescraper. Okay. 
So definitely worth it if you're into the multiplayer stuff. I know most people are probably buying it for the main adventure, but don't sleep on Scarescraper. It's a fun mode. Uh, yeah, and that's Luigi's Mansion 3. Mm-hmm. That's, Octo- that's October. That's all of October, which brings us to... November. Which is Pokemon Month. Yep. November is historically Pokemon Month. Or Zelda or Mario Month. Depends on the year. Well, I feel like there's always a Pokemon game. Or in the past, there has Since been. X and Y, I don't think they've missed a year. And uh, yeah, this year, they kind of they nailed it. We were talking about this earlier and just mm-hmm. like how great they did with sword and shield a lot of the internet seems to not agree and you know the internet can be wrong sometimes but you know you're also you're you're entitled to your opinion if you didn't like sword and shield there are reasons that i can understand and i'll level with Mm -hmm. they personally maybe don't affect my experience as much i'm i'm not a competitive player and i'm not like a collector i'm playing pokemon for the initial adventure and i usually put it down after that same I think this is like the first time that I'm really like delving into that post story content and with the expansion pass I'm definitely going to keep experiencing the story. Mm-hmm. Um but I, th- I guess to put it this way like me and you both saw Pokemon Let's Go and we were both like it appealed to both of us. Yeah. So like we we're, we're we're a more casual Pokemon player and we'll admit that. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of what Let's Go did what ended up in Sword and Shield. And it the I think the only thing they did in Let's Go that I had a complaint about ultimately was that when you like encounter Pokemon you in the wild, battle them. you had to catch them. Yeah. Having like that option to actually like battle them or catch them was like what I wanted, and that's what Sword and Shield did. And another thing they carried over with that is no random encounters. So they're you, all in the overworld. Which I think just like from an aesthetic point, like it makes the Pokemon world come alive. Yeah. And like, I, I think there were too many overworld Pokemon in Let's Go. And they like dialed that back for this one. They got the right amount. Yeah. So like you're not swarmed with Pokemon. There's not a Mankey who's like charging you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the wild area. Which was something that I wasn't asking for. But like once I got to it. Remember like a year and a half ago. Uh, you, me, and Logan had a podcast episode dedicated to what we wanted from Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And that was the wild area. There's so much of that that ended up in the game. Like, one of the things we wanted was co-op adventuring with your friends. We got a little bit of that with Let's Go, because you could, you could, you know, local play. Yeah. And in this game, you can run around the wild area with other people. And especially with, like, that... Uh part two of the expansion pass like that's going to just get explored even more yeah where you can run around with your friends the raid battles yep, being able too. to do that with your friends which i actually had so much fun doing those and it's like, really fun yeah the the rewards from them are like like i actually spent hours in the wild area just going to doing all those encounters because like the candies you get for like fast levels up levels yep. up uh level ups <laughs> the experience candies yeah you get the extra large ones and like i i I just, I wasn't expecting much from them, and then I fed, like, my first one to a Pokemon, and it just, like, jumped up five levels, I'm like, oh, okay. They've made a really fun way to grind your, like, so, like, if you want, if they're a competitive person who wants multiple teams that you can, you can cycle out, they've made it really easy for you to catch up new Pokemon. And that's, I think, one of the things that was less appealing to, like, 
older Pokemon games for me is like the yeah, grind. Me too. And how much time you have to spend grinding. They made experience share like a thing that you have to use now. Mm-hmm. Or no, you can turn it off, but it's there by default. Because like, I think the other like thing I always struggle with is like balancing teams. I think this is like, it's especially good for like children because me and you both have the same story about having just the Pidgeot on your team. The one Pidgeot, yeah. And it's like level 80 and all your other Pokemon are level 20. Because um, you didn't really like, you didn't really want to switch all your Pokemon around and like keep cycling them and like keeping them balanced. And we and were young. That too, like we don't have that like strategy yet. No, <laughs> but like, it definitely makes things so much more like so much easier. Um, even if like you decide to like catch a new Pokemon, like add it to your team, it doesn't take long now to get them back up to speed with all your other Pokemon. Yeah, they've definitely streamlined it in a way that I can really appreciate. Um, and you know, I feel like it is overall it's a half step to the next generation of Pokemon. We talked about that a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but we're going to get there. I think by Gen 9, we're going to see like what a full HD console Pokemon will look like. Mm-hmm. They gave us a glimpse of that with the Wild Area. They're doing more with the Expansion Pass DLC. Uh, we're on the way to that. I'm really excited for it, too. I did not finish Pokemon Y and Pokemon Sun like in a short amount of time. I took like a year long break from both of those games and then eventually went back to finish them. Pokemon Sword and Shield start to finish. Well, I think we talked a little bit about like the gym challenge earlier and how like it felt a little bit more endearing. Like the gym leaders like felt kind of like mentors in a way. Yeah. That they didn't really, they felt more like challenges before. And this time it felt kind of like they, um, they're also like, more important to the overall plot. Yeah. Well, they're on the front lines with you. Yeah. Like different some or different ones of them join the um team yell gym leader. I'm sorry, I'm really terrible with names. Um, I forget his name too. Marnie's older brother. Yeah. Spoiler um, alert, sorry. <laughs> when he like spoiler, when he joins you for like a little bit towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that was just really fun. Yeah, it's cool to be, like, alongside the characters you meet. Because Pokemon's never been really Mm plot-forward, and the gym leaders never really... Like, you fight them, and that's kind of it most of the time. They had, like, a bigger deal in the anime. That's the thing. It reminds me, like, kind of Brock and Misty from Gen 1. Yeah. Like, because in the anime, they, like, kind of travel around with you, and, like, they're with you. And, like, that got lost in the game. And so it was kind of nice having these, like gym leaders come back and interact with you again after you beat them and uh, even like in the gym challenge finals like it's an actual tournament like the anime and Mm -hmm. you're battling the gym leaders Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of cool they've built a structure to the gym challenge where it's like all of the gym leaders are actively like participating and trying to become the new champion Mm -hmm. and it makes the gym leaders feel more important because like they're being regarded as strong trainers because we used to have the Elite Four, and the Elite Four were, like, the best of the best. Uh-huh. And one of them is vying to be the champion. But now they're showing us what it takes to become the champion. Well, I also love that, like, element of, like, you have to also compete against other gym challengers. Because mm-hmm. before now, like, it was just... Just you. The rival shows up yeah. at the very end and, like... You battle him, right? Yep. Or her. You assert your dominance. <laughs> and now, like you have to have that like rivalry kind of come to a close 
before you can take that final step. I also like the the large swath of rivals in this game because mm-hmm. you have Bede, you have Hop, who I like way more than Hao from Pokemon Sun and Moon. Because um, Hao is like happy all the time. Hop is too, but Hop has depth. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Marnie. So like Marnie's like the really strong, fierce trainer who who wants to beat you, but is also not a jerk. Then there's Bede, who just Almost. thinks he's. Bakugo, and then you have yeah. full Bakugo. <laughs> you have you have half Bakugo, and then you have full Bakugo. You have Todoroki, and then you have Bakugo. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love all of the rivals, and they all participate in the tournament at the end. So it's really gratifying that it actually all comes together. Yeah. Um, and you're you said you're still doing the post game. Yeah, I'm still working through that. I think I've spoiled myself on that. Oh. Well. Hop story comes to a close. You should finish that. Okay, I don't think I got spoiled on that then. You should definitely keep going with that because this turned Hop from one of my least favorite rivals maybe in the series to one of my favorites. Like, they do stuff with Hop that, like, they took criticism with Hal because I feel like Hal is just, he's super happy all the time and he doesn't really necessarily feel like beating you. You don't feel like... He was he, trying. Or, like, he really cares in the end. Mm. But with Hop, like... He's determined. And they show you, like, he, he's down on himself in a few places in the story where mm. it's, like, he's upset that he's losing to you. And it's definitely, like... He starts off as that, like, super happy, like... Mm-hmm. And then you do, like, there's that point where you see him genuinely, like, his spirit defeated. I like that because we don't get that a lot. And, again, it's something that calls back to the anime because Ash goes through that many times. Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of, like, all the rivals kind of had their own, like, story and kind of, like, arc. Um, yeah, Marnie definitely did. And so did Bede. He had a I, – I liked his a lot, honestly. His is really funny because <laughs> I, I didn't see it going that way. It was left field. <laughs> it really was. And, uh, yeah, we talked about it earlier, but they're really setting the stage for this plot to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be new gym leaders that we know for a fact will be new gym leaders. And there's probably another champion on the way. So I think I think we're in for a treat. I think this is a set of characters in a world we're going to be spending more time with. And that's exciting to me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sword and Shield, in my eyes, is a success- successful Pokemon game. I had a lot of fun with it, and I intend to have more fun with it later this year. Because I didn't play Dragon Quest, it would have been like my other contender for Game of the Year for me. Gotcha. And <laughs> you know what? I think that's fair. Like, It probably would have been next in line for me, maybe. But if it weren't, for another game I have to talk about. <laughs> well, just... To wrap up my points on it, it was um, I think the second most played game on my Switch of 2019. Yeah, very nice. Mine, my most played game of 2019 was probably Smash Brothers, but that's because like when we all get together, it's usually my Switch that gets put in the dock. Mm-hmm. That happened with me and the fiance because we both have it, but like my playtime, I think I'm up to 50, which is pathetic because I've looked at yours recently, which is like over 200. <laughs> Mine pales in comparison to like Santi. And even Josiah, because he's he, I like what Josiah does. He plays the game while he works out, like he puts the switch in the okay in the what do you call it treadmill, uh huh. And then he plays online matches while he's he's running, which I think is a really cool yeah. way to do that. Um, but yeah, I have one more game I want to talk about for 2019, 
before we kind of wrap up and maybe look ahead of next year. Okay. And that's uh, a game I desperately want you to play. I have it. I think I know what you're, you're talking about. I have it. I think it, it's sitting on my uh, my soundbar next to my Switch dock. Oh, did you buy a physical copy? Nice. Oh, yeah, because it was on sale. AI yep. the Somnium Files. <laughs> this is an Uchikoshi game who is also the person who penned 999, Zero Time Dilemma, and uh, Virtue's Last Reward. So that series mm-hmm. of games. Because uh, that's actually a trilogy, as it turns out. Um, but... Yeah, this is his next game after Zero Time Dilemma, and I heard from Uchikoshi fans that maybe that game was a little disappointing, mm-hmm. and turns out this game is the opposite of that. <laughs> AI The Somnium Files has an incredible story, uh, and it's kind of cool, because like, it, it does have multiple endings and various routes, mm-hmm. but you have to play all of them. You have to. Like, if you want to solve the mystery... You're going to be playing the entire game. And you said that, like, you, you completed the game, but it didn't take you, like, 200-plus hours, right? It took me 30. Which is respectable. Yeah, so, like, there are gameplay segments where you're not just, like, reading text or answering questions. Um, they're called Somniums, hence the name, yeah, the Somnium Files. So Date has, uh, they have a technology that allows him to dive into people's dreams and okay and they're called somniums so while he's in a dream he's like he's searching I thought they're called dreams <laughs> carry on he's searching for some kind of truth it's usually because they need information and they're not getting it out of somebody so he dives into he their dreams as them basically um but because they're in dreams dream logic is at play which means anything can happen so the idea is, like, you have a goal in mind when you get into the Somnium, mm-hmm. but getting there is kind of obtuse. Like, <laughs> I might pull a screwdriver out of the ground, and suddenly a telephone pole right over there grows three times its size. Why did that happen? <laughs> Who knows? But that's how Somniums work. Okay, so you just you never know what's, what's going to happen. happen. Yep. <laughs> And you, but you do have a time limit. You can only spend six minutes in Somnium, and actions like if I want to interact with something, I have options. I have like three or four options of things I can do with that object. Each one costs a certain amount of time to use. Okay. So you have to experiment, but also be mindful of how much time you're using. And you have these power-ups called timies. You can hold three at once where you might get to have the time something takes or quarter it, or maybe uh, it only takes 10 seconds. Um, there are also reverse timies, one that might double or triple the amount of time something takes. Huh. So uh, you've got to be careful. Um, you can replay them, and you can restart from checkpoints, which is nice. But also, this is how the game's story branches. So when you're in Somnium, a lot of the Somniums have two ways to solve them. Mm-hmm. And based on how you do that is how the story branches. Okay. So when you want to go back and play another route, you just go back to that Somnium and you play the other chain. So Makes it, sense. It's a really like convenient way of seeing the whole story, so you you always know what the point where the story branched is. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I it, really like that. They make it really easy to kind of go back and do that. Um, there's always like a... Uh, and always a flow chart you can go back and reference. Mm-hmm. So you never feel lost. 
like I'm intimidated by other visual novels because I'm going to have to look up a guide and figure out where I go to branch the story. Mm-hmm. But for here, it's laid out for you. That's actually like I'm always afraid of like how my actions will affect the story. You, and that's yeah. been like the biggest like deterrent for visual novels for me for so long. You don't have to worry about that here. I will. You're really selling me. It's Stop it's it. fantastic. <laughs> I, well, like, you bought it already. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there was like another major element that I that I wanted to mention. That's I'm kind of losing here. Oh yeah, so like there are certain paths that might spoil information from other paths mm-hmm. that you haven't played yet. When you get to those situations. The game will stop you and lock that path and say, you got to go somewhere else until you can play this part. Okay, that's a really nice touch. Yeah. So, like, you will never get spoiled on a major reveal from another path by another path. It's <laughs> they re- thought of everything. It's really finely crafted. And Josiah and I talked back and forth because we there's a, there's a route break right near the beginning of the game. Um do you end up on the same side or on different sides? We ended up on opposite sides. Okay. And there are certain things, of, certain beats of information or certain references that you won't pick up on unless you've played the other route. So, okay. like, I mentioned things to Josiah and he was like, oh, <laughs> sense is being made to me. Yeah, it's really finely crafted. Absolutely play it. Some of the best voice acting. Again, really good, really great year for voice acting in video games. Which is okay with me because I don't like to read. Yeah, and you can set it to auto mode. Wait, so sorry. I, Canonically, I can't read. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> it also has an auto mode like uh, Fire Emblem. Yeah, and so does Dragon Quest actually, where it'll just initiate the next text box after the voice clips over. I love that. It's really good. So you can just like set the controller down and let the game play. Fire Emblem was just an anime for me. <laughs> AI the Somnium Files, when you get down to it, is an anime, but it's the kind of story that would not work without the structure of the video game. You kind of need that, like, engagement? Well, it goes deeper than that, and you'll understand that when you play it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that is another goatee contender for me. So my top my top games are Dragon Quest XI S, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Pokemon Sword and Shield, AI the Somnium Files, and Super Mario Maker 2. So you had a good year. <laughs> yeah, I've, I really did. Not so much on other platforms. This was kind of a quiet year on PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah, I think there was really only like one other thing that like I took a break to play. Borderlands 3. But that's just because Borderlands just like targets me. And that was me with Kingdom Hearts, but that was at the beginning of the year. Or wait, was that last year? I can't remember. I can't either. I have no help. Oh, it was it was January 2019. And uh, the the DLC comes out this month. Okay, that's right. Okay, uh, so yeah, that's 2019 for Nintendo. They had a good year. I think this is a better year in 2018. It's not a 2017. I don't think we'll ever have a 2017 again. I wouldn't ask them to. 2018 was really great on other platforms, so that kind of supplemented it for me. Like we had God of War, uh, Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, Spider Man. Yeah, great year on a uh, great year on PlayStation. Um, well, just uh, we had Smash Brothers. <laughs> well, we did have some good reveals this year too, like Breath of the Wild two. Who saw that coming? How can you see that? They coming? They ended E three with a Zelda game. 
the sequel to one of the best, if not the best, Zelda game ever made. And there's still, like, so much about it that, like, I mean, how much time did we spend just discussing, like, what they could possibly do with that <laughs> it's so after fun. it happened? We were going to go to bed, and instead we just talked about Breath of the Wild 2 for, like, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of that, like, week was us talking about Breath of the Wild 2. We, like, left Roger's party, um... Roger's base, uh, because we wanted to get home and get some sleep because we had a flight the next day. And I think, again, we just spent that night talking about Zelda. <laughs> it's just such, like, an exciting reveal. And granted, it's not something that we got in 2019. I'm going to guess that it's probably not that far off since it got its, like, roots. It started as the DLC expansion pass. I feel like this is the, the 2020 holiday game. I would like that to happen. <laughs> Me too. Because, I mean... I've asked you this before, but, like, what else do we have for 2020 after Animal Crossing? I did forget one of my most hyped reveals of this year that is a 2020 game, and that is the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, the remake of the original Xenoblade Chronicles. So, uh, yeah, they're remaking it in the Xenoblade 2 engine and graphical style, so, like, it's a full remake, and they're adding in areas that were cut from the original game. See, I didn't know that. I think the funny thing, too, about, like, that is just, like I said at the beginning of the show, like, you weren't really that big on RPGs before, but, like, you got targeted. (laughs) It was Kingdom Hearts is really, like, what got me started, and from there I've been able to appreciate RPGs more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turn-based RPGs were the ones that really turned me off. Okay. But turn-based RPGs, like we've discussed a lot in this episode, have been doing a lot to kind of alleviate those growing pains. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Like, no They've random encounters, the battles are snappier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i an RPG guy now. Who knew? Please go back and just, like, touch Persona 5. Oh, I'm going to buy Persona 5 The Royal when it comes out in the West. It's taking me everything not to pre-order it, because now that I've, like, played it through Persona 5 and love it so much, like, I want that steelbook. <laughs> comes with a mask, too, doesn't it? If you buy the limited, I think even the, the standard edition is a steelbook. Oh, which is wow. really nice. That's cool. I'm still trying to convince Charlotte to let me pre-order the like <laughs> the limited or the um, special edition because I want the art book and like the mask and all of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, Persona Five Scramble also comes out on Switch next year, but not a first-party game. That was. I'm gonna put that as like my disappointment of 2019 that like Persona Five wasn't ported to Switch. Yeah, it's starting to look like that won't happen too. At least not for a while. Okay. Uh, another game coming out th- this month or next month is Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and Sharp FE Encore Edition. One of those like last few like Wii U ports that we needed. Absolutely needed for this case. Because mm-hmm. it was kind of like a, a small release um, on Wii U. A hard, it was a hard game to find. Mm-hmm. Um, I somehow managed to get a copy and then never played it. <laughs> well, now you have another chance. And they also made some kind of, like, snappy updates to this game to make it a little smoother and faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so hard because, like, I have I also have Digimon Cyber Sleuth and uh, Hacker's Memory. I think that's what that one's called. It's a two-pack on Switch. I didn't know that was a thing. They're two 50-hour RPGs, so I'm going to be stuck with those for a while. And Kingdom Hearts DLC comes out this month. I still month. need to get Aladdin and uh, Lion King. Because I loved Aladdin on the Genesis. 
Oh, the Genesis was the version? Genesis or was it the SNES version? I forgot which was which in the uh, two pack. Genesis is the one. Genesis is the one in the in the pack. Okay. Uh, it's the one where Aladdin has a sword. Okay. I remember like one of the two games was from the Genesis, and the other one was from like the SNES. Yeah, the the Super Nintendo version uh, is more of an acrobatic platformer. It was developed by Capcom. Okay. Um. Yeah, other than that, like, 2020 is kind of a blank slate, and that's really exciting. I have a feeling we'll have a Direct here next week, uh, because traditionally Nintendo Directs follow Pokemon Directs by, like, a week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we ended up waiting till March, and I think the—or no, February. And the year before that, we waited till March to get a Direct Mini. I remember, like, just, like, that thirst for information. Yeah. We're, like, in that area where it's, like— we g- give me something, please. So, an- so, anything? Mm-hmm. Inform me. <laughs> I want to know. Thank you. Uh, so yeah. Uh, how would you grade Nintendo's 2019? Even though you didn't play a lot of games, based on what we talked about, I'd say like for me it was still an A because the the games that did come out were able to like grasp my attention and hold on to it despite just how busy I was. You know, I I want to be critical, but at the same time, like, I had such a good year on Switch that I think I have to give it an A, too. I mean, if you, like, look at the year before where I think the whole year was just Smash hype. Yeah. Which, I mean, that was enough. It was more than enough. They kind of, they, they leaned on Smash last year. This year kind of or made up for the lack of diversity around Smash from the year before. Oh, absolutely. And I think we're in for a good 2020. You know, we still have, we're, we're we have a Smash character still. We have Tokyo Mirage Sessions in the early year. Animal Crossing Animal is going to get us through the summer. Yeah, it's going to get us all the way to June, which is then you know it's E3 and that tells us the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, we also have two expansion passes that are still kind of being worked out with Fire Emblem in April, I believe, and then you have Pokemon Sword and Shield in June, June and the and, fall. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a lot to look forward to still. Yeah. So there's a lot to be excited for. Um, This ended up being a pretty long one. I think it's just because I'm here. It's because you're here. We're making up for lost time. Yeah. So I guess that means the show has to go on for another seven hours or so. (laughs) But we can't because my blood sugar is dropping, and you can probably tell because I'm starting to stutter. We have our McDonald's date to get to. We do, and I'm – yeah, I'm dropping. Um, (laughs) I'll carry you. I want to thank you guys for watching. Thank you for being here, Paul. It was a pleasure to have you on the show again. It is so nice being back. Let me know when the next one is, and I will try to be here. Yeah, I mean, we're – 2020 is the year. I've been talking to to Roger a lot, and there are some things I haven't made public yet that Mm -hmm. you guys are going to be pretty excited about, I think. Does that include me? (laughs) Well, like, from a personal perspective for me. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I want you on the show more frequently, but... I want to be on the show more frequently. But now that you're on your way to kind of getting out of your your night shifts and getting Mm -hmm. more into that day shift stuff... I, uh, I think we'll have that opportunity more frequently. Yeah. I mean, Logan lives here, and it sounds like he's going to be working with me at my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that far from here either. Right. So it, it's not that hard for us to get together and get a show going. Yeah. I think on top of that, like, 
I mean, there's that one project that I've been talking about, like, doing for so long, and I'm just kind of waiting to get done with school so I can have the time to get back to that project. Right. So, 2020's year for Breaker Marquette, it's the year for Brandon, it's the year for Paul, and it's the year for Logan. Like, it's the year for us. <laughs> we're, I'm looking into this year and feeling pretty dang good. And that's exciting to me. So, I think 2020 will be great for Switch, it'll be great for all of us to collectively it'll be great for this uh for the youtube channel definitely again i want to thank you guys so much for being on this journey with us because we it's, love you but it's crazy like that we're still here we're still doing it and that we've come as far as we have well it's funny to think like where we were when we started this like just look at how much has changed for me particular the hair the glasses you guys were here for that You've also, you know, you've you've been working on your health a lot. I've dropped at least. I I went back up, but I started our uh, podcast at like three ten, three twenty, and I'm currently sitting around like two fifty. So I've lost a significant amount of weight, and you look good, dude. Oh, I learned style, some fashion. Look at this man. I'm Isn't so he fashion. scrumptious? I met the love of my life. And I'm engaged. engaged. I'm looking at a venue for a wedding. <laughs> that was a fun morning. I've gone through like two jobs. Three. <laughs> I'm on my third job. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. I operate heavy machinery. <laughs> yeah, we're we're working towards some big stuff. I'm I'm excited for our futures. And it's great to finally be getting there as we are taking the hike towards 30. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> funny, like, how young we were when we even started just YouTube. Because that was we 16? 15? 2000. It's been over 10 years for us. We were in eighth grade working towards mid, or working into our freshman years of high school Yeah, when it started. So... 13 12 13 14 right around that era 15 i think weren't we we were freshmen in high school at 15 i thought well if we go back 10 years from our current age because it was 2009 when we started so last year was our 10 year anniversary right we were 24 25 so 14 15 our first video is 2000 november 2008 oh we really slacked on that 10-year anniversary video. <laughs> We're a year late on our 10-year anniversary stream. Sorry about that, guys. We'll have the we'll, we'll make 12 the big deal. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm sorry to kind of cut this abruptly, guys, but uh, I'm dying. So I'm starting the to... The point is, thank you for being here with yeah. us on our journey. Uh, we look forward to just really great things and, you know, taking you guys along with us on this journey. Yeah, it's it's been great, and uh, once again, thank you. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at BabbaBabs. Follow Paul at, I almost said Logan. <laughs> I've been gone that long. Gunnysaurus. Follow I'd... us as a collective at Break Room Arcade. Make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Join our Discord server. Uh, we're always pretty dang active. Um, well, most of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want to help support the show, make sure to donate to our Patreon or join our YouTube channel as a member. You can also donate directly to our podcast over on Anchor. We've been getting a lot of support 
on podcast sources. So thank you guys for doing that. We really appreciate you. Yeah, it's been great. Um, but until next time, don't break your backs. Eat a salad. Break in the games <laughs> and watch those episodes of Break Room Breakfast. See you. <laughs> <laughs>